Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. There is a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, Pretty big financial news. We haven't really talked about the financial situation in this country in uh, at least a few weeks, I don't think, to an extent on this program. And where do we start? How about the the big bank news today? Uh, Did you guys catch wind about Bank of America? Yeah, Bank of America is now going to be uh, owned, I think the largest stockholders at 6% is the United States government. So it's yep. Bank of America. <laughs> the Bank of the United States of America. Well, yeah. when Bank of America started absorbing all these other banks, including Merrill Lynch, that mm-hmm. was a really big one. I remember thinking to myself, the Bank of America is about to become the Bank of America. It, and it sure is. Uh, the story is from the International Herald Tribune at IHT.com, where apparently... The uh, apparently the losses that they uh, incurred as a result of pulling in Merrill Lynch resulted in them going back to the government trough for another twenty billion dollars in a, in a capital injection, as the story calls it. Uh, and apparently they'll be absorbing as much as ninety-eight point two billion in losses on what they call toxic assets. The bank had been pressing the government for help after it was surprised to learn that Merrill would be taking a fourth quarter write down of 15 to 20 billion dollars. And the second lifeline brings the government's total stake in Bank of America to 45 billion and makes it the bank's largest shareholder with a stake of approximately 6%. And that's where it's starting, right? I mean, who's to say they won't need another injection in another six months, and then the share could go up to 20%, and then 40%. If I can get uh, go to the government for a uh, cash injection, I'm going to need it a lot. Yeah. And it's not just going to be Bank of America. Uh, How long is it going to be until Ford? And uh, Chrysler are back yep. at the federal government and looking for more. It's funny because, the, the, you know, the first thing people are going to say, and these big top executives in their golden parachutes, they absolutely have a legitimate claim on these um, executives in their golden parachutes now because, well, it's it's owned by the government. Yeah. And that's going to really bother other companies where the executives are getting, you know, have golden parachutes because – then the public feels that they're that much more, you know, well, that that there's a bank and I have an opinion and my opinion counts. And it does count in the ones where the, the government, supposedly of the people, has a stake, but it well, doesn't count in still, the rest of them. Well, no, you can still, your opinion should count as a customer. I mean, if, if as a customer you believe the business you're doing uh, business with is being run in a way that you don't agree with, you absolutely have the right to speak your mind to that business and yeah, say... People don't differentiate hey, that manner. I understand they don't, but I'm telling you that it would be all right for. It's fine to for do them that. to have an opinion, and uh, you know that's it's fine for the company to listen to it or not. Right. You can write a letter to Reebok and say, "Hey, you need to stop making your shoes in sweatshops and pay your uh, executives a hundred thousand dollars a year," and they'll either do what you're suggesting or they'll say thank you very much for your suggestion and not do anything about you it. Can buy British Knights or whatever. Yeah. So uh, so there's the news. I mean, and it's pretty big news. And it's something that I think we said was going to be happening, that, that as these bailouts continued, you'd start to see more government regulations over these industries and outright government ownership. 
mean, this is bank nationalization happening right here in this so-called land of the free. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's gonna. We're not gonna have other choices for banks. Is the feeling <laughs> I'm getting. It's gonna. There's just gonna That's be scary. a government bank, and they will have that much more of visibility over every little transaction that happens. So you know, it's it, you won't be able to you know have any cho- any choice in the matter of something. It's close bad. to that anyway. You know, yeah. I mean, the fact is that the banks really are franchises of the central bank, and That's the central true. bank is essentially the government bank. Because you pretty much can't operate a bank, or you certainly can't call your business a bank, unless you have ties with the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which is a it's a federal government program. So a pointless one too. Well, the whole yeah. system, the whole system is just a it's just an absolute mess. It needs to be changed, but will it be changed anytime soon? Probably not. I don't think that. I mean, even though Ron Paul's up there pounding away and you know saying what should be done, and nobody's listening to him, they're going to keep just throwing uh, keep throwing money out of these printing presses and right into the hands of these uh, these big corporations and these banks uh, and the bankers until the day it all finally comes crumbling down. And hopefully, by whatever that date is. And we all know it's coming. Just the question is when. Will it be this year or will it be 15 years from now? There's no real way to know for sure. Uh, but hopefully by that time, some brilliant liberty-oriented entrepreneur with the courage and the capital will be able to start up a, a private bank. Start up some sort of private warehouse bank where we can take our Federal Reserve notes, convert them into real value like gold or silver or platinum or, or rhodium or something like that, and actually have it kept safe from the number one uh, threat to the, those hard metals, and that is the U.S. federal government. I'm not concerned about a band of highway brigands getting their hands on my gold. I'm concerned about the Fed's. Getting their hands it's on it. It's happened before. I mean, they've it, literally it, yeah. gone into people's safe deposit boxes in their homes and taken gold. That that on its own was pretty brash when they've done that. And they did a lot of that, especially back uh, when they confiscated gold back in the, it was the 1930s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the most brash thing they've done, uh, far more than just going into individual safe deposit boxes, was when they went to the Liberty Dollar and just just wholesale stole all of their gold, silver, and copper. And, you know, they say it was theirs, but the fact is those that gold, that gold, silver, and copper were owned by Americans that had Liberty Dollars. I have one. I have a few hundred of them, <laughs> and now they're pieces of paper. Uh, with nothing backing them. Not so, to mention they took the, uh, the the gold and silver coins and the copper coins that were going out, and uh, they confiscated all those. And those people with their orders, they're they're not they didn't get them filled. Yep. So that's been happening, and we can expect to see more of it. So I mean, it's going to be so it's going to be very difficult for whomever it is that goes down this road, whichever entrepreneur it is, or group of entrepreneurs, or investors, venture capitalists that goes down this road of creating an alternate bank. A competing bank that operates completely outside of the government system. I don't even have the beginning fathom of how one would go about doing that. I'm no banker. I don't know the insides of the the system. I don't know how you could how you could create checks and interact with the other banks if they're well, not if you're not uh, playing under the same government structure. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. It's any, possible. I don't know any of those things. I can tell you that uh, the that. It seems like they went after the Liberty Dollar because the Liberty Dollar made the mistake of putting the dollar symbol on their uh, coins, and the, so that's um, or you know pieces I guess they're they're called on their pieces they, they put. The do- do they, oh, they do use the dollar symbol, yeah. Yep, yeah, they use the right. dollar symbol and they say that it's you know twenty dollars or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So you could make something else and, you know, convert your money into silver and, and hold it there, gold or whatever, um, and hold it in the bank and then, uh, you know, that amount of silver or gold and then it could go up or down and that that would be... And you could transfer it out into FRNs at, as you needed it but or something. Eagle tried to do something like that and then they went after them too. So it's not the easiest thing in the world. Right. They've, been at, they've gone after PayPal, which was actually founded originally by a liberty-minded guy. He's since sold it once the federal government started really cracking down hard on him and now PayPal's in the system. System. And as you're saying, they uh, they attacked eGold as well. And so this is not an easy thing to do. But whomever ends up doing it, man, I hope it works out for him because it My is so needed. My first recommendation is find some little country uh, to run your, your uh, bank out of rather than the United States. Have you heard any, any more news with uh, Free Lakota Bank? I've not. Uh, I've, I've gotten some press releases from the Free Lakota Nation, but not specifically about what's going on with the bank. I know that they were uh, trying to get investors and they were trying to get people to buy uh, accounts and buy silver through them. I don't know how successful they were and I don't know if that's... I'd love to hear from one of our listeners if they had actually gone and and purchased some of that stuff because some people were worried it was a scam. Some people were worried they were going to go and spend all this money on investing in this bank and then have them just poof, disappear. Yeah, well, I think that it wasn't actually the Lakota Nation. I'm not sure what they... They call themselves, but someone said that they actually spell Lakota differently than hmm. the uh, the Indian tribe. So I don't know. So suggesting that's that. more evidence that it's questionable. Well, it may not have been. Maybe since some some branched off and they weren't. They didn't really have. I don't think they had the uh, the uh, the the explicit approval of the Lakota Nation. I or see. something like that. So. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. If you know anything about the Lakota Bank. And, of course, I was my, my main concern wasn't whether or not they were scam artists, so that was a good concern. My concern was, how secure are they? How am I going to know the feds aren't going to come in, raid their bank, and then take all my silver? I'd rather have it in my possession, at least where, where I know where it's being kept, where it's safe. 800-259-9231. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com and get interactive for free. W-I-K-I, wiki. FreeTalkLive.com and Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's Liberty Forum. Coming up in early March, first weekend in March, we will be at the Nashua, New Hampshire, uh, the Crown Plaza Hotel, which is a very, very nice hotel. We will be there broadcasting live from the Liberty Forum, which is a tremendously successful and popular event that I highly recommend you attend. Uh, there were hundreds of people there last year, uh, many of, uh, almost all of them just totally get the liberty thing. They're activists, many of whom are actually living here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. A a number of them are considering moving to New Hampshire. Of course, there are also big-name speakers like Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as WWE's Kane, and a whole laundry list of other speakers that uh, you're you're going to want to see if you are paying attention and are involved in the liberty movement. And if liberty and the, the ideas of freedom are new to you, this is still something that you can attend and really meet some great people that can really help kind of introduce you to these things. So head over to Free State Project. Project.org slash Liberty Forum 
to get more information about the event and get signed up using our discount code, of course, to save yourself 10%, which is 2009FTL. That's 2009FTL. Saves you 10% when you get signed up for the 2009 Liberty Forum at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. So we continue with uh, the financial news here, and it is not good. Number one, uh, the first story, as we told you earlier, Bank of America, now the number one sh- uh, shareholder in that company is the federal government. So as though the feds weren't involved enough in banking in America, now they are actually the primary shareholder in one. I think Bank of America is the biggest bank. Am I mistaken on that? That's my thought. I believe Bank of America. Yeah, they have a tremendous amount of outlets. And you used to even even have an account there, Mike. I do. Right, Mark? You do still? Yeah. Are you considering pulling it? I uh, have been because uh, the, basically the credit union that I also use doesn't have online banking. They're they're now uh, trotting that out. So. Oh, okay, great, great. Because I would do whatever I could to get my money out of uh, the hands of the federal government. I mean, yes, most banks are just going to bend right over for the feds anyway, but it's just the principle of the matter, you know. I, I canceled my account with them because I didn't like their service actually, and and uh, I haven't heard good things about yeah. that either. But then they bought the uh, another bank that I was <laughs> involved with, so. And that's what you were saying earlier is it's going to keep going in that direction as other banks, smaller banks, start to kind of have tougher times. Maybe Bank of America, with you know, with its federal injections, will be yeah. able to step in and buy some more banks and absorb just, as many as possible. It just bought, you know, just bought Merrill Lynch and then right. got a federal injection right after that, which is, you know. It's crazy. It's nice for them, huh? Yeah, it's a, this is just madness. Uh, and, of course, the financial situation is is really tough for other businesses that aren't uh, able to get federal injections. Circuit City is going to close its doors. The news coming out. We need out, a bailout. We need a bailout. Uh, it's too late for them, I'm afraid. Uh, they are announcing it will be shutting down its remaining 567 stores at the cost of more than 34,000 jobs after failing to sell the business. So they had closed some of their stores and we're attempting to go through, uh, I think, bankruptcy proceedings and, and reorganize or restructure, and it, it just didn't work out. Uh, the closure of the nation's second biggest consumer electronics retailer spells more trouble for the nation's malls and is the latest casualty of an unprecedented pullback in consumer spending that has claimed KB toys and linens and things, uh, among others. Uh, there was some other news today and, uh, that of other companies that are just you know shutting down or doing tremendous layoffs. It's uh, very, very sad, said Alan Wurzel, the son of the company founder and himself a former chief executive. He says he feels bad for the people who are employed or until recently were employed. But I feel good because now I'm going to be able to go down and get some closeout deals. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know when that's going to start to occur, but uh, I guess keep your eyes on your local Circuit City for uh, the liquidation sale because it's, it's coming. And I guess it's good news for Best Buy, I suppose. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I'm surprised Best Buy didn't buy some of the stores. It sounds like part of the uh, cycle when you're about to have what we're, what we're probably going to experience is a deflationary cycle, mm-hmm. relatively brief, before the Fed starts getting more and more intrusive and manipulative, and that then that'll be followed by the rapid inflationary cycle. I think it, I think Lou Rockwell had said in one of his recent articles that we are actually already experiencing deflation. Yes, yes. Well, I mean, it's happening in the housing market in spades. Yes. And then, of course, it's gonna, that's going to ripple through. So, well, and, and as these companies go out of business and they, they're trying to get rid of stock and things like, you know, they're, 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 um, their uh, su- supplies, their surplus and everything. Right. It's, and, retail's a tough job, too, because you're buying all this product Essentially on spec. I mean, you don't really know if you're going to be able to sell that truckload of plasma television sets that you just bought. Another part of the deflationary cycle is all the money collapsing because 
we have a lot of the money supply isn't, you know, printed out paper money. Most of it is, is numbers that just kind of come out of thin air from fractional reserve banking. In a computer system somewhere. Yeah. So all the fractional reserve banking plumps up the money supply. And right now that's collapsing because a lot of mortgages are defaulting. So it's a, causing deflation as well. So uh, what does this mean for people that are going to lose their jobs? What about all the – because I don't want to sound too callous to those those folks out there. This is not a, an easy situation for them to be in. What does it mean? I mean, when we see the news stories, when you look at the headlines, you see uh, these jobs being axed, these jobs being lost. Even in our own business, Clear Channel, uh, the biggest radio owner in the United States, is, cons- is uh, going to be going through some restructuring here probably in the next week. Big time. So a lot of people are really concerned about that in our business. So you're seeing all these headlines, jobs being lost, businesses being closed down. And if you look at that and that's all that you see, then you might tell yourself, oh, my gosh, this is awful. What are what is going to happen to all of these people? Well, what would you guys say to uh, to those people that might be looking at a pink slip? I, 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 you know, I, I think that you should start uh, putting 10% of your uh, paycheck away um, for the possibility that it's going to happen. I mean, you know, that's that. Those are the things you have to be be looking at. I, I just told a friend tonight, start saving up money for the hard times. And the other thing that you have to look at is, um, you know, the. The fact is, you have to do what it takes to feed your family, clothe your family, and put a roof over your family's head. If if you know the the right job doesn't come along, a job will come along. Take that yeah. job. I don't care if it's McDonald's. You know, it, it, the it, there may be it may be humiliating to put on the uniform of a fast food restaurant to go out to work. However. Um, people like me look at you and say you're doing what it takes. I'm proud of you. It's more humiliating to have your house foreclosed on, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I agree with you, Mark. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with working a job until you can find something that more, more better suits your talents and your skills or until you can uh, you know, strike out on your own as an entrepreneur and, and go out and, and create a product or a service for the marketplace that, that people are going to be uh, wanting. But I'm glad you brought up savings because it's such an important, uh, it's such an important factor. And a lot of Americans are beginning to, uh, to realize that, I think. They're, they're coming to understand that, okay, party's over, put away the credit cards, and you've actually got to start spending less than you earn, because a lot of Americans have a real tough right. time with this. Well, yeah. I mean, this is th- what's happening is the, the, the market has not been allowed to correct itself over time like it should. The government keeps being intrusive. It keeps saving bad businesses. Right. They stick around when they should have gone away a long time ago, a little bit at a time, and a little, there'd be a little bit of unemployment of unemployment while, people, while the market corrects itself and people go into jobs where that are at healthier companies that are running themselves better and right now that's Yeah, it would have been no up. big deal yeah. if the government hadn't been uh, getting involved. Now it's going to happen explosively. It's all going to happen at once. Everybody's going to be out of a job. They're all going to be competing for the jobs. It could be a very difficult situation and if you don't have savings to fall back on, you're going to have a real tough time. 800-259-9231. 10% is a pretty good idea. It's I think the bare minimum that you need to be saving on every paycheck. More coming up. Uh, you and if you've got suggestions as to what to do in this situation, would love to hear from you. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This 
is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. The features include updates. Get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com and get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Also, join Dale over on his website, anarchyinyourhead.com. Two comics, brand new, every single week, one on Wednesday, one on Friday. Right. And uh, addressing a variety of topics, uh, but usually from a pro-liberty theme, a uh, voluntarist, anarcho-capitalist theme. And it's good stuff. I highly recommend it. Anarchyinyourhead.com. Thanks. What's this week's comic about? What's what's today's about? I uh, haven't seen it yet. Poopin' is back. <laughs> the, uh, the monkey. The uh, <laughs> entrepreneur monkey. Yeah, that happens to be... He's really sophisticated except for throwing his poo. Yeah. All right. So uh, you can see that over at anarchyinyourhead.com. And we continue discussing the financial situation here. But first, we go to your phone calls. David in New York, you're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind tonight, David? Well, I wanted to mention that deflation, or better termed, uh, the termination of available currency, is constant and is always happening. And the only thing that can stop a deflationary cycle is increasing the amount of outgoing loans to keep circulating currency in supply. Because once a loan is paid back, that money, the money, which doesn't really exist in the first place, really is is taken out of the system. Correct. And based on the fact that they charge interest on these loans created out of nothing means that there's always more money owed than is in circulation. So the minute you stop loaning money, which is kind of happening right now, you go into that extreme deflationary period. And I've heard uh, economists mention that the reason we've spent as much on the war, you know, the the $100 tarps and the $500 hammers and toilet seats and such like that, is without this ever-increasing amount of loans to cover the amount of debt that's out there, uh, the money supply would dwindle down to nothing. So they've been staving this off since the end of the Clinton administration by going crazy loaning as much money as they possibly can. And now that the people are not creditworthy or are not going to the banks to make these loans, they're having to take up the slack by producing these bailouts. But what they're doing with the bailouts, it seems, is that the same companies who have participated in this Ponzi scheme, bubble scheme, et cetera, are taking the bailout money and not returning it into the economy, not using it to pay off bad loans or stop foreclosures, et cetera. More or less, they're dumping it into offshore accounts and whatever they want and basically stealing the last little bits of wealth out of the system before it completely collapses. Yeah, interesting viewpoint, and uh, thank you for the call tonight, 800-259-9231. That is a system that is built on debt. The Federal Reserve notes that you have sitting in your wallet, they're the greenbacks you're used to spending, uh, they're not money they're just kind of uh well they're they're, they're notes they're an I, essentially an iou basically right i mean they there's nothing backing them except promises and those promises are empty so it's really just people uh, believe those, in them those promises are real um in the sense that the uh, the government believes that it owns your labor it's uh you know pledging your labor in the future for those notes 
It's yeah. it's really built on threat. I mean, it's it's you know you're under threat to accept it as uh, as legal currency for whatever debt. That's so, what legal tender means. Yeah. Is uh, if something is called legal tender, that means that if you don't accept it, then the men with the guns are going to come and force you to accept it. Yeah, exactly. That in and of itself doesn't seem to be a real issue. I have no problem accepting these uh, these notes. However, I have a problem with the way that they are done. Um, it's a it's a really crappy system. Right now, I'll take them because that's the money that's out there. Yeah. But there's a lot better way to set up a monetary system than, you know, notes built on debt. Let's continue with your calls. Dave, a different Dave in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. I want to comment on something you said on earlier this week. I believe the police, when you had that right along, were just doing it because you were there. Wait, wait, wait. What, what? The police were doing what because I was there? Doing their job. Oh, you're suggesting, okay, what you're referencing is earlier this week, I had said that while I was uh, on a ride-along with the local police, we had video uh, cameras with us, we were interviewing uh, Lieutenant Maxfield here in Keene, New Hampshire, and you're claiming that they were putting on a show? Probably, I think. No, I no. We drove, unless the cops actually went and threw a brick through the front window of the business that was broken into, uh, no, they weren't putting on a show, they really were out doing what they should be doing, and that is looking for real criminals. And, oh, let me, there's one other thing. A friend of mine said the ever see a show cops. Yeah. Yes, unfortunately. And they say that's our reporter or that's a police officer because if they're, say, for instance, man with guns to body on top of the highest building, if there was a reporter in the car, they would leave them a block back and tell them, don't come down this way. Okay, and yep. your point is what? My point is that um, they the they try to the police try to keep the press away from the scene or the public too. Well, I mean, if you're if there's a guy on a clock tower that's uh, shooting at people, I, I don't imagine that the police are going to want to be responsible for protecting a cameraman that happens to be yeah, with them. Yeah, I wouldn't actually case. blame them. In that yeah, case. I wouldn't blame them either. Thanks, Dave, for the call. Right, 800-259-9231. I'm not a police hater. I don't. I mean, I understand why people might get that. Uh, impression from the show because we talk about corrupt cops. I'm a police disliker. I'm a, I'm somebody who doesn't necessarily trust the police. I'm a little bit scared by the police, but I don't hate them. I feel sorry for them. I wish that they could be out there going after the real bad guys. I wish they could be out there going after rapists and arsonists and murderers and uh, people that hurt other people and people that destroy property. That's what I wish they were out doing. But unfortunately, there's a significant chunk of their time where they are spending it putting kids in jail for having a bag of marijuana, and that really bugs me. And the reason why I can't, I feel, I don't feel like I can trust police even less so than I can trust some other random stranger is because they are so much less accountable than that random stranger in the sense that they're, they're they'll be protected by the system, they can get away with so much more, and uh, they really, I mean, and because they're a part of a of a violent monopoly. They uh, are not accountable in the same way that some free enterprise is, in the sense that you know they can just take your money for their salaries, so they're secure in that sense. Uh, they they get away with incredible amounts of abuse because they have people who will back them up and protect them. I think that uh, you know most of them uh, that 
a lot of them got into their job. I'd say most of them got into their job for the purpose of doing good and that they try their best, um, you know, to do good. I do think that, you know, bad attitudes that day can make for a really bad day for the, the people that you meet. Um, and I, but I think that the, the worst part about it is how they're assigned by their superiors. It, it seems like, you know, you're, there's some unsolved crimes running around, you know, going that, that have happened in your neighborhood, and they're out giving tickets. For stop sign violations or something like that, right? I, While I there's agree. a murderer on the loose. I agree. I think they go in there with very good intentions, and they want to do good, and, and they have, and there's, there's noble um, ideals going into it, but the system as it is, I think it corrupts them, and, and it's very difficult to avoid that. And I, I think there's a lot of evidence uh, for what it is that you're saying. So I don't hate the police. I just want them to be better. I just want them to do the right thing. That's all I'm asking. Do the right thing. Don't hurt innocent, peaceful people and go after the real criminals. Right. That's all I've ever wanted from them. And because they are a monopoly, there is no competition to the police. Right. That's um, all that would have to change is be- the monopoly thing. Well, I don't know, um, but I don't know how that's going to work or anything. But because of that, the only thing that people like you and me are left with is complaining. That's yeah. it. That's well, all apparently, we got. And apparently, if you complain too loudly, you get threatened with uh, you know, getting thrown in a jail cell, as I was a few days ago. That monopoly is at the root of all the corruption and problems in government. I mean, take that um, that away, and it stops being a problem. That's right yeah. There. That's all. I mean, I have no problem paying for uh, street sweeping or snow plowing or traffic. I don't have a problem being a part of paying for that infrastructure. I don't, but I do have a problem being forced to. So take away the force, take away the monopoly factor, and we've got ourselves a voluntary society. I mean, we're not that many steps away from the Voluntary Society. Uh, More coming up. You can bring up what's on your mind. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get on board for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money and reinvest it into the show, getting on as many radio stations as possible across the country, bringing more Internet listeners around the world on board and exposing as many people as we can to the ideas of freedom. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get perks like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are there at amp.freetalklive.com. So the financial situation is a mess. Dale, as you pointed out, the government has been putting off the corrections because they've been meddling in the marketplace for so long that the marketplace has not had an appropriate amount of time to correct itself. And so all of these corrections have been built up and built up. And now we're seeing many of them come uh, essentially come crashing down uh, at this time. And it seems to be getting uh, progressively worse with major retail chains closing up shop. Uh, The latest example, Circuit City, banks uh, being absorbed by the federal government, banks becoming nationalized, car dealers becoming nationalized. I mean, who would have thought 
you know, decades ago that this ever would have happened. It's crazy. In the land of the free, the, the, the country where you're supposed to be able to make or break yourself based on your own mistakes or your own successes, where you are supposed to be able to venture out into uh, the, the, using your capital or other people's and, and take some risks and either make it or, or not. And, and if you didn't make it, you were allowed to fail so that someone new could come in and step in and take your place and, and offer a different product or service to the marketplace. But now it's like, well, if you've been around for just a little while and we consider you important enough, we're going to just keep your business model alive. Your Too old big decrepit, to fail. Yeah, your old, decrepit, dinosaur-like business model, we're just going to keep pumping other people's money into it and... What, you think they're going to somehow all of a sudden come back? You think Ford and Chrysler and these other companies that are getting these these cash infusions from the federal government are going to all of a sudden do their business better? They couldn't do they're their s- business with their money. They're going to remain horrible and just get more and yep. more protectionism from the government so that they don't fail, so that people won't lose jobs. And It's really and, frightening. You know, we're basically and, achieving socialism from a, from a perverted capitalist uh, direction, yeah, you know, where this is a very intrusive government into the into the realm of business, which isn't at all what uh, capitalism is is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be hands off. It's and insane what uh, what is going on out there. And I would love to hear your thoughts at 800-259-9231. Here's a little more from the Circuit City story. They were looking to sell what remained of their business. They'd shuttered a few stores, and they were trying to reorganize or sell their business. And they had two potential buyers, including a Mexican billionaire uh, who controls a chain of electronic stores down in uh, Latin America. And they were considering keeping as many as 350 stores open or as few as 180, but they couldn't secure, or secure, Circuit City rather, couldn't secure the necessary financing or even support from their vendors. According to their uh, chief executive, they said that shutting down is the only possible path for their company. A uh, bankruptcy judge gave final approval to the liquidation Friday afternoon. Some employees were notified they would lose their jobs and certain stores would begin closeout sales as early as Saturday. That's tomorrow. So on my list of things to do. (laughs) Since my childhood, that's where you go to buy electronics, said a 37-year-old Sonia Webb who was standing outside a store. Of uh, watch, watching an employee set a television in her car, which you probably get some really good deals on here over the next few days. And she says she usually compared Circuit City, Best Buy, and Sears, but that Circuit City was always her preferred choice. Uh, Circuit City said liquidating the store should last through March, after which they will all be closed. The small staff will keep working at the corporate office through that process. So, sad story, and it's not the only story. There are a lot of them about businesses, uh, especially corporations, big corporations going under, and a lot of people losing their jobs. And I just wanted to wrap things back into the idea of savings, which is what you had talked about a little while back, Mark, the idea of putting, if you aren't already doing this, beginning now, putting at least 10% of your paychecks into uh, some sort of savings account to where you can access it if you know, the rainy day happens if you lose your job. You need a certain amount of money to sort of cover your expenses, maybe for a month, two months, something like that. You need some some amount of money put away, several thousand dollars put away for that purpose. Um, and you need to, you know, fill that account up as quickly as you can. And then you need to start working on uh, credit card debt because the percentages that those companies are charging you, it's higher than you're I, going to be making anywhere. As far I, as yeah, I, although I would have to say, when the times are really desperate, that would be like the last thing on my list. But generally speaking, What's, that yeah. is good advice. What, I mean, <laughs> your credit cards are going to eat you up. What, that's when you uh, don't want to flush your credit score. Yeah, once, I mean, once you, you decide that my, your my credit, credit score is screwed, then well, you know, maybe maybe that's an, a time to look at that. But 
Pay your mortgage before you worry about your credit card bills. But the, but without a doubt, those are the uh, the really high interest uh, things. If you you know when you feel like you have steady income, those are good to pay off. Absolutely, and uh, you should also be looking at your expenses. You should if you don't have uh, a budget, if you're not looking at what's coming in and what's going out, uh, and you're not really taking a close look and analyzing well whether you really need to have. You know, the Netflix subscription or whether you need to be buying uh, beer every single weekend or, or what brand of beer you're buying. And I, I'm sure Americans are looking that, um, at that. But if you you've got, like me, a penchant for the, uh, the 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 more exotic type beers, eh, maybe it's time to, you know, for one, tone down your your drinking because it doesn't really do any good. And uh, two, yeah. when you do drink, drink the cheaper beer. It's not going to help you pay your mortgage. That's for sure. Or buy the exotic beer and drink one of them and then. You know, if you're going to drink three beers in that evening, drink one. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm coming up with Guinness off the top of my head. Not terribly exotic, but uh, you know, one half a Weizen, and then they uh, have two beers after regular beers after that or something. You know, and I'm, when I'm watching what the government's doing right now, bailing out companies, uh, they're constantly inflating the, months, mon- the money supply uh, well, in various to. ways. Yeah, they're, they're trying to. And, and uh, well, they're inflating it. It's just not as fast as it's deflating, you know, right. essentially. Right. Um, and, and you watch all the stuff they're doing, and, you know, you lose faith in the dollar itself. You lose faith in the economy that they're running and, and things like this. And it makes you and, – and more and more I get the feeling that the only way to protect yourself is to work outside of that system as much as you possibly can. And, of course, that they really – Try the to crack down economy. on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, as much as possible. I mean, I guess there's a lot of things you can do that are, you know, still legal to do that are, you know, sort of working outside the system. But um, I highly agree. I mean, anything that you can do business in that doesn't result in the tax man coming along and taking a, a piece is more money in your pocket. And in, a, in tough times, <laughs> that's what you need to have. You need to have more money available to you so you can get through those, you know, those rainy days. And like you're talking about, Mark, having 10% going into savings. And if you're paying off other debt, if you're paying off credit cards or uh, student loans or whatever, uh, you probably should be allocating 20% of your paychecks to that at the very least, whatever you pay, whatever you can. And if you're looking at your paychecks and you're saying, well, you guys are saying do 10, 20, 30 percent, but I can't do that. I've got all these expenses. Well, then you have to start looking at cutting costs expenses. in other, yeah, in other areas so you can free up that money. Look at, uh, look, at take, look at A, taking on a second job if you don't have one already. Yep. Look at taking on roommates. You know, if you have to, move into a family member's house or bring in some, uh, some friends that might also be having a tough time. And, you know, live with more people, cutting your bill costs in uh, – uh, by by a half or by thirds. I guarantee you, as things things get worse, people are going to start really changing their their view of what is considered acceptable, uh, an acceptable way to live. Right, so, but yeah. um, a lot of uh, a lot of towns, because of the the those darn Mexicans, have passed laws against having mm. roommates and things like that. You can only have a certain amount of adults yeah. um, living in a house. So if you have, there's a couple and then they have a, a roommate in, in a many many places, that's outlawed yeah. because of our that's hatred scary. of it's our get hard to uh, little brown that. brothers. It's going to get hard to enforce that as more and more people start sure. doing it out of necessity. Though. Do it anyway is uh, my, <laughs> yeah. my advice. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that's you've got to do what it takes, and if that's what it takes, then uh, also look at your habits. Look at your eating habits. Are you going out a lot? Are you still going to restaurants? Are you still, uh, you know, going to fast food a lot? Take a look at how you're spending your money there, because that's some way. That's one way you can pretty easily cut down. Are you going to Starbucks every single day? You know, that's not a good idea. Brew the coffee. Brew the coffee at the house. Yeah. Um, Starbucks makes home. If you like Starbucks, and I understand, brew the Starbucks at the house. If you, uh, you know, like eating out, and I understand, eat at places that are cheaper. There's there's all kinds of things you can do. 
the uh, the first places I would look are those extraneous bills like uh, cell phones that you know make sure your plans uh, set properly that you're using the right amount right amount of minutes. How about cable like television? How about cable that Cable television's one? a great one. Take to cut the axe out. to that one. I mean, what do you need it for? Yeah, I, there's I no contract. I remember someone I was dating. Uh, it's like the morning, and uh, I was going to make coffee, and uh, that was not acceptable. We had to go to Starbucks. To Starbucks. Yes. <laughs> it was not acceptable for me to make coffee. It had to be Starbucks coffee, and I, I think I heard that the amount of caffeine in Starbucks is actually really high. Yes. Is that right? I don't know. Yes. Derailing the, mm-hmm. the topic. But, but. The, uh, the price of the cup of coffee is really high. I can well, tell you that. Yeah. You're, you're bringing a very good point. Is Your addictions cost you, whether it's yes. cigarettes, whether it's alcohol, whether it's uh, coffee, whatever it is. Or those, cable TV. They're, they're expensive. All right, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And if you've got cable television, you could get rid of that. Some people spend 100 bucks a month on cable. Your average broadband connection is only 40 or 50 bucks a month, so you've cut that in half right there. More coming up. That's plenty entertaining for me, at least. Hour 2 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This show is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything just by dialing this toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Lots to talk about. Of course, your calls are the primary element if you make them. But just want to continue here. We started out the first hour talking about the financial situation, how it's affecting uh, a lot of companies going out of business, uh, how it's going to affect you if you're somebody that has one of these corporate jobs and you know there's an axe that's being held over your head and, and that axe could fall at any time, how to, to deal with that, savings, cutting back on spending. We talked about all that, but we didn't really address... Uh, we didn't really address the governmental side of things. I mean, beyond the fact that the government's handing out your money, they're handing out taxpayer dollars uh, to these companies, these banks and these other uh, automotive dealers or automotive manufacturers. But we didn't really talk about the governmental uh, situation as to how the governments are being affected, state governments specifically, are being affected by the financial situation in this country. And as you might recall... A few weeks back, there was a story about California, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger, going and begging uh, the federal government for $7 billion, uh, $7 billion handout for essentially a loan, what they were calling a loan from the federal government, which we all know that they're not going to be able to pay back. And so eventually the government would probably, the feds would probably just have to waive the loan and just... Just essentially dissolve it. It'll be distributed amongst the rest of us. We'll have to pay for California. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, every single person that is paying federal taxes would be paying that uh, for that bailout of California. Detroit asked for ten billion dollars. So one city was asking for ten billion dollars. Now neither of these has has happened or has occurred, as I understand them. But it's evidence that state governments who do not have the ability to print money who do not have the ability to increment numbers in a computer somewhere uh, in a bank or in a you know computer in a, a, a business they don't they don't have the ability to generate their own money from thin air like the feds do so how's that affecting them well uh, we know they're having a tough time I'd, I'd like to mention a margaret thatcher quote at this time sure. the, pr- the problem with socialism is eventually the money runs out yeah I mean, there's no one's money left to steal Right. Well, eventually, once you start taxing people enough, uh, you tax the entrepreneurs, you tax the business people enough, they're just going to throw in the towel and say, bah, 
It's not worth I, doing business anymore. I, I stopped working as a, a software engineer at a, a major company, uh, making pretty good money because I was just handing most of it over, and I, and I stopped, got sick of being a slave. Right. So, you know, I'd rather just make less money and not hand over all of it. You know, Me not, too. I'm not going to bust my behind to make all that money just to hand it over. So why bust my behind? After a while, that's the way you start thinking. The fact is, um, some people, you know, most people will continue to do that. And if you incrementally do things, then you can get, you know, a certain amount of people to continue to come along. But the the way economics work is every time you make a rule a little tighter, you affect those people on the fringe. Dale, apparently you were people on the fringe. Now, you can can take a a much more harsh look at uh, socialism in the sense that uh, when... uh, Batista lost power and Castro took over in Cuba, all the rich people left. Well, I left California for that reason as well. I mean, I felt like California was the Titanic, and I saw them playing the violins on the deck, you know, and they keep going. And I'm like, do you guys realize what's going on here? And I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I bailed, you know, just in the nick of time. I sold my property there. I bailed. I saw, I felt like I was just at the peak of the roller coaster and it was about to start falling. And it was sure a good enough, move. Property values are dropping rapidly there. And not only that, but that's what I wanted to talk about was what was mm-hmm. going on in California because they've got it uh, as bad as any other place that has it bad. Uh, California, the Associated Press reporting that their controller says he'll begin a 30 day delay on tax refunds and other payments starting February 1st because the state is running out of money. Controller John Shang said Friday he must delay $3.7 billion in payments next month because lawmakers have failed to address California's growing deficit. With a $41.6 billion shortfall over the next year and a half, the state is on the brink of issuing IOUs. Shang says his office must continue education and debt payments, but will defer money for tax refunds, student aid, social services, and mental health programs. So if you thought for a moment... That you could count on the government to be your social safety net. Right. This is big what, surprise. This is what people they, they believe that you can count on the government, and you can't. And the only money they have is what they take from us. So guess what they guess what they when they, you know that social safety net is, you know it's 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 false. Not only is it what they take from us. But it's what they take from us minus a tremendous amount for the bureaucratic overhead. So the money that is going to the social services and eventually, obviously there are a lot of people that are scamming those systems, but eventually it does probably make into the hands of some people that really need some help because they don't know where else to turn to. That money came from the taxpayers, went into the system. The system took a tremendous cut for their overhead bureaucracy, went to all the middle class bureaucrats. All the evidence of every program, of every welfare program everywhere is that they take more than half, half or more, half or more um, in overhead for bureaucrats uh, you got you got to pay these people a living living wage you know and uh, all these other things that go whereas the charities they none of them go like half so it's, take a it's look. as if they break our legs and then subsidize our wheelchairs that, that's, well, that's really what it, i mean they they cripple the economy and then they they run in and save us you yep. know that's a, that's a good paraphrase of an old Harry Brown quote. Uh, they oh, they break it? your legs and then hand you a crutch. That, I may have heard it from yeah. there. I'm not sure. I, I, you know, in my mind, I thought it was original, but it's he's very got possible some, I He's got some before. good ones, and they've, they've, they're uh, definitely very effective. Uh, and so this is a very quick story, just a little blurb in the AP, that a severe drop in revenue has left the state's main bank account depleted. The state has been relying on borrowing from what they call special funds and even Wall Street investors. However, those options are now no longer available. So... The state of California is in a major 
bind right now. And the controller, the guy that handles their money, is basically saying to everybody that's getting payments in one way or the other, everybody who does income taxes in the state of California, I mean, I'm not used to this because I'm from Florida, Dale. There's no income tax there, so I've never had to pay a state income tax. But apparently you do have that uh, out in California. Oh, yeah. You have that in just about every state. It's it's one of the higher ones. So they, they withhold money on your paycheck just like the feds do. And at the end of the year, you fill out the forms and you get a refund just like the feds, right? Except not like the feds, they can't print out the money to give you the refund with. So everyone that was going to get expecting a refund in California, too bad. You're going to have to wait an extra month, and you're going to have to cross your fingers and hope you won't have to wait another month after that. Who's going to guarantee that next month they're going to give out the money? Who's going to guarantee you're ever going to see a 2008 tax refund in California? We we got a nice economic overview of what was going on in California when I was running for office. Actually, they actually get... um, I, I. I was uh, the Republican nominee in my district for a state assembly. My, how times have changed. By, by default, <laughs> no one else competed against me, so right, I got it by well, default. And they gave us a course. Those of us who wanted to, you know, um, we had to go up on our own money or whatever, mm-hmm. but I went up. We were able to go up and get a course uh, in Sacramento um, to run for, you know, to run for office and how to do it. And one of the things they did was give us an economic overview of California's what's going on with the money there. And I saw a disaster then. I was yeah. like, it's coming, you know. If they, they were, you know, they were then pointing out, like, look, right now we're having this major housing bubble and a lot of people are buying houses. And every time you buy a house, that's when taxes get reevaluated on that property. And they go yep. up. And they go up. Yep. So they've, they've had this huge amount of money. And what they did is they, as they, as the Democrats started, uh, I shouldn't blame, I don't want to blame, I was a Republican at the time, so I, they sort of blamed the Democrats, and I don't know if that's fair, but that basically uh, the politicians at the time uh, started establishing programs, ongoing programs and ongoing costs mm-hmm. that would be ongoing for a long time based on that income, as if they were to continue to have this massive housing bubble. And obviously, the bubble was going to pop at some point, everything was going to start dropping, and they were going to stop getting all that income. Right. And, and sure enough, you know, it's like it's something now houses are going to start selling for less and the property taxes are going to go down. So their, their revenue is going to go down. And a lot of times that's well, they, they um, what they're doing is they're raising millage rates in, in most places where property values. I mean, this is already happening. And towns are saying we can't we can't do without we need that money. We've got to have it. So yep. they're raising the millage <laughs> rates on your um, property. So they're taking a larger percentage of a smaller uh, value. Mm hmm. And they're not, they're not, their budget isn't going to go down. Government doesn't no. know how to do that. They know that they can take your freaking house away. This is what's, this is what's so comical to me is that people cannot grasp the basic economics of this. That we're in rough economic times. People are losing their jobs. People are making less money. Uh, obviously, you know, they're already between a rock and a hard place. And then when the, when the, when the cities and states and, uh, when the government start raising taxes to make up for the loss that they're experiencing because of the economic crisis, they, just they, they tighten that rock in the hard right. place they, even they, more. They make it more difficult for people. And you know, Mark, they can steal people's houses, but you can only throw so many people out of their houses. That's not going to solve your problem in the long run. Yeah, nobody wants to be the one, the first one off the train into the gas chamber, That's though. You know what I mean? Problem. Yep, that is a problem. A, a great tax, uh, a tax protest uh, would, I think, go a long way. But who's willing to do it? I am. Anybody else? A million people in America right now. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. 
And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about free. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Have you been looking for our, to, to spice things up in the bedroom or fantasizing about surprising your significant other with adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adameve.com um, and uh, use code FTL at the coupon checkout, and you'll get 50% off of one item um, with, with the offer code. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. So that's get 50% off with offer code FTL at adameve.com. All right, 800-259-9231 to your phone calls. We talked to Chris in North Carolina. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys. Chris, what's on your mind? Not much. I can't help but laugh to myself when I hear Mark say adventurous new toys. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I called in a, a couple weeks ago. I was telling you guys how my uh, friend had gotten a ticket for running a uh, stop sign and no ticket for his seatbelt. Well, this has come to affect us once again today. How's that? Uh, well, me and my buddy, we're uh, going to get uh, permits for handguns. You have to buy a permit in North Carolina to get a handgun. So we go down. You have to hold on. You have to have a permit to purchase a handgun. To purchase, not even to purchase. If somebody just wants to give you a handgun, you still have to give them a permit, even if it's free of charge. So <laughs> you have to have a permit to own the gun, not just to carry it. Is there is there a separate exactly. permit to carry the gun? Well, there's not a carry there's not a carry permit, but there is a concealed carry permit. That's you can carry I mean, yeah. the permit around as long as it's not in an urban environment and as long as it's not concealed. So Wait, yeah. wait, wait. So you can open carry? You said you can carry the permit. You mean you can carry the gun? You yeah, can you open can open carry, carry the gun, gun as long as it's, it's not in an urban environment. So you can't so you can't go into a city and open carry the gun in North Carolina. Well, no, you can, but if somebody calls the cops and says, "I'm scared. This man has a gun on his side." You can be arrested. That's crazy. It is crazy. All right, so you had to get a permit to buy the gun in the first place. Go ahead with your story. Exactly. So we're going to get the permits. We go downtown. We slip $2 in the parking meter. So here's 2 bucks the bureaucrats get first, right? Mm -hmm. We get to the office, and we have to apply for the permits. Each one of them is $5 each, okay? So we have to give the ladies $5, Yep. and they give us the permits. We fill them all out and hand them back to them. And first, the first lady comes back to my friend and says, you have a pending ticket for a moving violation. You are not allowed to have a handgun permit. Wow. It, as though yeah. that makes any difference in the world. Like it has yeah. anything to that do with... That makes him a violent criminal who's not allowed to defend himself because he has a ticket. Right, yeah. I mean, she wouldn't care if you told her, if you told her that uh, last night some threatening man picked, you know, called you at your home and threatened to, to rape your wife. Uh, yep. It wouldn't matter to her. She would say, well, I'm sorry, but these are the rules. Yep. And then she turns to me and tells me that my mailing address doesn't uh, match the address on my license. Even though they don't mail this permit to you, they email you a letter saying your permit is ready and you need to come pick it up downtown. You have to uh-huh. pick it up in person. I was not allowed to get the permit because my mailing address didn't match. What sense does that make? Just another bureaucratic uh, rule that they've exactly. arbitrarily imposed. So we got a dollar for the parking meter, five dollars for each one of the permit apps. Now another ten dollars for me having to change my address on my license so it matches when I go up there mm-hmm. for the mailing address, which they're not going to mail. And not to mention the hundred and seventy-five dollar ticket that we have to pay before he'll be able to get his permit. Nice. Is it's good that to be the not government. ridiculous? Yeah, it's good to be the government, isn't it? It sure is. Did you guys hear about the uh, 13-year-old girl who got strip-searched for ibuprofen? 
Oh, is wow. this at a government school? Got to be school, right? Mm, it was, yes, it was a public school in Arizona. Apparently, a 13-year-old girl had a prescription-grade ibuprofen, which is 400 milligrams okay. of ibuprofen. I thought it was My, 800, but okay. Okay, well, okay, yeah, I think it's 800, too. But in any case, if you go buy ibuprofen over the counter, you could take 400 milligrams sure if you, you want. Yeah. Sure, it doesn't just make take more difference. pills. You get, right, there's, I, I think it's 200 per pill, so you take two pills. But wait, that's exactly. not the issue. That's not the issue, because she would have been allowed to have regular aspirin with her anyway no, at school. No, she wouldn't. She's not allowed to have over-the-counter or illegal drugs. Exactly. They haven't. They strip-searched her for <laughs> for what is essentially over-the-counter drugs that are perfectly legal to have. It just depends on how you want to label them, right? And how I far mean, are we away from uh, a cavity search? I mean, yeah, they're not doing that they quite took, yet. They made, but... She's 13. She had to strip down to her underwear, and they had she had to take her bra off. you got to wow. be kidding me. Did they make I'm her bend kidding. over and cough? They did that to me in prison. <laughs> it, was, in it was so traumatizing. She's suing the school, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just think it's so ridiculous. But I mean, where is it, it going to stop? But right. But and of course, it won't stop because even if she sues the school and she's successful, then she'll get some money. The taxpayers will be out extra money yep. because the, the, the actual bureaucrat who did the strip searching or whoever it was that authorized it as well will not be held responsible for this. Of they won't not. have to pay for this. He'll keep his job and he'll get along just fine. It, it, it's really sad. And then today I heard they're giving another $20 billion to Bank of America here in Charlotte. They're yep. based in Charlotte. Yep, that's right. They're going to be uh, The government's going to be the number one shareholder in that company. I thank you, Chris, for the call tonight. Good, good, uh, good points. And I'm sorry to hear about all those in- incredibly insane gun regulations out there in, New Hampshire, or in, uh, in North Carolina. It's not that way here in New Hampshire. Here you can open carry anywhere you want to without any kind of permit. You don't need a permission slip to buy a gun in the first place. You just find a gun you want to buy, and you buy it. If you really had the right to keep and bear arms, you wouldn't need a permission slip. You wouldn't need something called a permit, because a permit grants permission. Yep. You, who can grant you permission if you have a right to keep and bear arms? Master. You don't have you. a right to keep and bear arms. People that talk about the Bill of Rights and the Constitutions are gonna get, uh, is going to get flushed down the toilet with Barack Obama. <laughs> it's already happened. <laughs> it's gone, and it's been gone since it's been gone since they passed the first law that said violent criminals um, that g- get out of prison can't own a gun. If they can take it away from them, yep. they can take it away from you. Mark, Mark, don't hold back. Tell us what you really think. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, unfortunately, what happened at that time was people just nodded their heads and said, mm, yeah, those that people shouldn't have guns. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It makes perfectly good sense until you stop about for it. one second and think about but, it. Yeah. The fact is... I've always said that if you're, if you're going to take... Uh, I mean, if, if you believe that someone is dangerous with a gun... Then you can't let them out of prison at all because they're going to be able to get a gun. Uh, yep. and, and or something. Yeah, I mean, and 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 my thought is too. You know, we we all we all have a right to protect ourselves, and no, and it's absurd. It's absolutely inhumane to to put someone out into the world and say you can't protect yourself. Well, you have a right to protect yourself from other people on the planta- uh, other slaves on the plantation, but you can't protect yourself from the taskmasters. So if the police, as we had a caller last night, I think it was Eric in Texas, who said that there's been another Corey May-like story where the police have come in, raided a, a man's house. Uh, he, not sure who they were, thinking they were an armed gang, just a regular yeah. armed gang, sh- uh, fired at one of them, sh- uh, shot a cop. You, you can't protect yourself against these guys. You just have to bend over because they're going to come kill you or throw you in a jail cell, and you will not get a fair shake. You won't get a fair trial or anything of the sort if you uh, defend yourself against the police, even if the police are doing something they're not supposed to be doing. You can't defend yourself against them. 
It's just a, it's just a, such what, a frustrating situation. And what do they expect when they bust into someone's house at night? You know, in the dark, yeah. possibly, and the person doesn't know who they are. You just, you just assume someone's intruding into your house. And Even if they yell police. Uh, but you you still don't know because that's what the criminals that's a, are yelling that's a good these way days for too. A, that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, if that's that's what a criminal will yell. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Your thoughts? If you want to make the call, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. More coming up. In fact, we'll talk about a weapons ban here in moments. And take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and those features include live streams. We've got a broadband version, dial-up version, and a webcam, all totally free for you at Listen. .freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customer and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. You can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. All right, so we continue with your phone calls. Let's talk to Bile calling from New Jersey on the amp line. Hello, Bile. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Well, the caller just before the break had called in about uh, North Carolina gun laws. It sounds like uh, they're not too different from New Jersey, but ours are a little bit more strict. Uh, so we have uh, handgun permits, too. So you have to get this firearm ID just to be able to have a gun, and then you need to... For every handgun you want to purchase, you have to get a uh, handgun purchaser's permit. Hmm. And and the law claims that the uh, they're supposed to give you this um, – if you've already got a firearm ID and you've already gotten a gun permit or a handgun permit before, 30 days from the application, you're supposed to get the uh, the permit. And you can buy one, uh, one gun with one permit, and you have 90 days to buy it from when you receive it. Well, back in February, I applied for two, and it took 10 months for me to get the Jeez. two. Um, yeah, and when I uh, – so I had been up in New Hampshire, actually, for a couple of days in November. And when I came back, uh, I stopped in to pick them up. And when I signed all the paperwork and you know paid a couple dollars to get them, I asked for a complaint form because it had taken 10 months, and by law it's supposed to take 30 days. Like, oh, well, we we don't exactly have a complaint form. They just don't <laughs> even have a complaint form. Right. So, it's like, well, what what exactly is the problem? Um, I said, well, I'd rather put it down on paper. He says, well, yeah. well, we don't have, pa- you know, we don't have a form, so you could just talk to someone. So I decided to talk to the guy who's responsible for issuing the permits or doing all the paperwork. Okay. And it, it turns out that uh, the, the 
police department in the town I live reads my blog, and I post about all the things that I see the cops doing that I don't like. Really? And uh, including the whole taking forever with my uh, gun permits. And so he very cautiously let out that he reads my blog, and he wasn't too happy about it. And he said, <laughs> you know, I don't think my opinion is all that important that I need to go blasting it out on the Internet. Wow. When did this happen? Is this very recent? Uh, yeah, it was uh, mid-November. That is just absolutely outrageous. I mean, so this bureaucrat had no qualms whatsoever looking you right in the eye and saying, yeah, we don't really like your opinions very much, so we're just going to take our sweet time with your application here, boy. And break the law. Oh, law yeah. schmaw, Mark. We all know they don't care about that stuff. Nope. nope. The cops aren't going to go after this bureaucrat who, who broke the law. They're only going to go after you. We saw how that well, worked out, and Sam was pursuing people who were breaking the law, bureaucrats who were breaking the law in, in Texas. And, they don't and like how it they very just much. kind of shrug it off. Well, they, they, they certainly don't like Sam when he goes and does what he does because he threatens them with criminal charges now, and right. that's what uh, may end up happening here in New Hampshire if uh, the, you know, the government people don't back down. Uh, but, I mean, this, uh, for lack of a better term, this official oppression is quite common, obviously. You speak up yeah. about what's going on with the government, and you're punished. You don't get to you don't get to have guns, Bile, because you you are critical of us. So we're just going to hold out on you. Yeah, and even online, if you look up, uh, people say, well, you know, the law says thirty days, but the state police reinterprets that to mean not thirty days from the from them getting the application, <laughs> but thirty days from when they get their all the information finished up. What could one Which do about this? I mean, that means indefinitely, essentially. <laughs> Whenever we get around yep. to it is what that means. <laughs> yep. What, what right. could you do about this realistically? I mean, uh, filling out a complaint form, even if they had one, wouldn't do anything. They'd take it and they'd use it to line their, uh, you know, they'd line their bird cage with it if they had a bird. They don't care about uh, your paperwork. So, I mean, would, is criminal charges the only way to get these people to uh, to pay attention to what's going on? Uh, yes. Uh, Apparently. Uh, perhaps. I mean, what I did was when I went in, I had a cam, uh, I have a small uh, uh, camcorder, and I had it in my pocket. So I recorded the entire conversation. New Jersey really? has a one-sided conversation or mm. wiretapping law. Right, so where I, only one took, party needs to know about it. Right, and so I recorded the entire conversation with me and two of the uh, um, police officers, and then I transcript all the good parts and put it up on my blog. And uh, so they probably read all that. They read, you know, whenever a story comes up, I make sure that about Fort Lee, I make sure to uh, to post it. And what they do is they use Google uh, alerts. And so any time Fort Lee, New Jersey, uh, right? Any time Fort Lee, New Jersey comes up or Fort Lee Police comes up on Google, they get an email or an sure. RSS message or whatever. So, uh, and I I do the same thing. So whenever I post a story, I see it and I know they see it. Amazing. Uh, you know, it's so difficult dealing with situations like this because these men have guns and cages on their side. And if they decide that they, that you've gone too far with your little blog bile, they could come by and they could make some crap up and they could put you in a cage uh, for a very long time. And if you're down in New Jersey, it can be a very difficult uh, proposition dealing with that because the, um, the activist network just doesn't really exist down there. So there's not really anybody backing you up. So, I mean, kudos to you for having the courage to blog about these corrupt cops. That's exactly what's happening to you, Ian, right? They're threatening you now well, because you, the, su you supported... Whatever that means. Yeah, well, I'm a media personality that's visible, and I'm critical of the police, and they're coming after me, but I've got activists on my side that can help me out. I mean, without Sam from the Obscure Truth Network, 
I I don't know. I, I might be in jail within the next week or two. I mean, they still might be in jail. I mean, they could still come and, and you know, just take me away and make some crap up if they wanted to. But it'd, it'd be harder for them to get away with it here right. because they're they're dealing with a, a whole network of activists. Whereas you should be congratulated, Bob, for having the, the cojones to go up against these guys virtually alone. I mean, you've got your girlfriend on your side, maybe a handful of, of other folks in the area that could help you out. But that's, I mean, that's a dangerous um, game that you're playing. Yeah, uh, Manhattan actually has a decent amount of activists between the Ron Paul people and uh, the Manhattan Libertarian Party is actually full of anarcho-capitalists and quite a few uh, um, uh, activists. So I've got them on my side, but you're right. The guys up in New Hampshire are a bit more forward about it. And, uh, but well, we look forward to having you up here, and I thank you for sharing that story tonight. Thank, thank you for you. the call, 800-259-9231. I mean, more Having more bloggers up here, more media people that are willing to speak out about about the government and its abuses and how it's harming people instead of helping them, it's all good. The more people we have, the better. And the more we have, the more they'll come to realize that this is not a movement that is being controlled by one or two people. I get the feeling that the way these government people operate, based on what Fred Parcells has told us, he's a local, uh, he's a local former... A former government employee worked with a, worked with both the city council and the the police department here, and you know based on what he said, he said things like, "Well, you guys, uh, you know, you need more leadership. You need to, where's the where, where's the leadership coming from in this organization? They they look for the centralized command and control structure." And it doesn't really exist with the liberty movement. You can't cut the head off the snake. Right. And that, maybe <laughs> there's that's no head right. of the snake to cut if, off. If, and they want to cut the head off the if snake. If I were to go to social Sundays, uh, for instance, and uh, and give uh, Jesse a good dressing down for his uh, his flag burning escapade, and I, you know, quite honestly, I'd like to. I think that it was it was foolish. I think you gave it to him over the air when he called right, the show. Right. That's, and that's fine. And you know, it's done. But if I were to do so and say, you will not be burning any more flags in the square, young man. He'd probably go out and burn some the next day. That's the kind of people we're talking about yeah. here. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the explanation behind uh, the, the best reason I've heard that the Free State Project couldn't work was because dealing with libertarians is like trying to herd cats. And it really, you know... Fighting, it, fighting libertarians is like trying to herd cats, That, that much is true. <laughs> and trying to control them like herding cats. Now, I think that you can get them to move to one place simply because by dangling the carrot. Mm-hmm. That's how you get cats to go places, yeah. is by in- incentivizing them. But, you know, I, I, there's nothing you... That, you can't lead them. I think they believe that there are leaders in the movement, and they believe that if they cut off those heads, that it's all going to go away. And I think they're going to find out sooner or later and that's just not the case you can't stop this more coming up it's free talk live this is free talk live you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll-free line and it's 1-800-259-9231 join us on our website at freetalklive.com. You've got to get shopping done. Go to amazon.freetalklive.com. Unlike some retailers that are going out of business and closing their doors, Amazon doesn't really have doors to close except that they're warehouses. So they don't have to pay the big money for the uh, the big box retail locations, and therefore they can pass on that savings to you. So you can get the stuff that you need for your life in over 41 categories, including used items. So if you need to save a few extra bucks in this uh, tough economy, you can at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. When you enter through that link, you'll feel good because you're getting the products you need, the brands you trust, free super saver shipping on a whole bunch of items, and you are helping Free Talk Live if you shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. 
com as we continue with your phone calls. Todd in Michigan, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, hey, how's Todd. it going today? What's on your mind? Well, um, <clears throat> I wanted to talk about a very interesting study that came out in the New York Times today about uh, the cost of college tuition about to go through the roof again. Well, it's been and going through the roof for the last what, three decades, as long as government's been involved with it, for sure. Right, but it's but but we're but but the colleges now, including your universities and community colleges, are going to experience another surge in tuition costs. Why? Uh, well, um, the, the reason being is because they're um, saying that uh, they can't cover the full costs of the students, and now students are paying a little bit more of their share in going to schools. But that's really not 100% true. The reason why college tuition costs are going through the roof is because there are just too many students going to school, and there are just too many colleges, period. That's, what, why do you say that? that? Well, let's put it this way. Um, when you have a lot of students going to school, um, a lot of them are going for degrees, whether it's engineering or business management or uh, nursing or whatever degree or trade school they, they want to get into. And, um, yeah, they apply for financial aid, and um, they get the, the loans, whether they're subsidized or unsubsidized. And one of the biggest problems is is that, because there are so many students going back to school and the economy is really not in very good shape, we're already in a recession for the last few years, although the media will never admit that. Um, the reason being is because you've got so many students going to college and there's not enough resources to provide for every single student, which is why... Uh, so you're claiming... Uh, that's a different point you just claimed a few moments ago, at least as I understood it. I thought that you said that there were too many schools and too many students, which sounds to me like there's plenty of supply and demand. But now you're saying there's a big, there's a high well, amount of demand, but not a lot of supply? Well, there's a high a lot of demand. That's why there's so many students going... Too many students going to school. There's a high amount of demand. But it's like anything else. When you're going for school, um, going for say healthcare, um, if there's so much in healthcare, and so many p uh, patients want, um, you know, the medical services and what have not, of course the costs are going to go up. Well, it's, it, what, uh, what it looks like to me, Todd, is a, a classic case of government uh, poorly distributing uh, resources because they can't figure it out. The, when you have this top-down uh, structure where they say, well, this is where we need to do this and this is where we need to do that, and they're getting their money from, well, government grants and uh, tuition and mm -hmm. things like that, then they're not getting the feedback that they need from the marketplace in order to do things properly. They don't know that they need to go and build new buildings and expand their staff and right. do what a marketplace... If they need more money, they can always go beg to the government and uh, they'll take uh, they'll get you know just tax the people some more thanks todd for, uh, for, for the call tonight 800-259-9231 uh so yeah i mean if you wanted to go and start your own college what would that be like how would you go about doing that i mean if you decided that uh, there was too much de too much demand in the marketplace or, and not enough supply how would you go about um, the first thing you have to do is get subsidies because all the other colleges are getting them in spades and You'd have try to, to compete with them without subsidies good luck and you know. and what would you need for i mean you need some sort of permission slip you can't just open your doors and call yourself a college can you you have to have some kind of uh, accreditation or approval and there's a process that you'd have to go through so how difficult is it to open your own college i don't even have any idea i, I have no grasp on what that even means as far as how much of a, a project and any, how many regulations you'd have to bow down to ask the mises institute 
And anytime they subsidize anything, anytime, anytime anything gets subsidized, it raises the cost. You know, like I know they were offering uh, a, a huge tax break for if you bought a hybrid car. And then hybrid cars, good luck getting – you know, normally you go and you negotiate on a car price, and, mm-hmm. and they never put – you never get charged a sticker price. You, uh, they were charging sticker price on hybrid cars because people were, going, were getting that tax break. Mm-hmm. So, so the it cars created were, an unusual you know, demand. Yeah, right? I mean it effectively makes it more expensive. You know, what happens is that subsidy ends up going one way or another to the business, you know. To the business, it's not actually saving people money on hybrid cars because then everybody wanted hybrid cars that drove up the demand because they were getting a tax subsidy. And then all right, of a sudden, they had the a waiting list. Went up, they know? had a waiting list at Toyota for the Prius. I don't know. They might still have it. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they still do. I remember I looked into it, and yeah. I just immediately dis- dis- disregarded a Prius because I knew that I would end up paying uh, the, you know, the sticker price, which I've never, ever paid for a car. Never ever pays ticket price for a car. They're always ready to go down thousands of dollars. Yep, yeah. and, and and the used ones were going for nearly uh, like if you got a, had a one year used or something like that, they were going for nearly what the new ones were. Wow. Yeah. We continue Th- with this your is, calls. This has been a couple. Of, this one a few years. A few years I, back, I looked yeah. in, in Florida. Uh, let's talk to John in North Carolina. John, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Hello. Hello, John. You're on the air. This is Joe. Joe in North Carolina. You're on. Joe the air. in North Carolina. How you doing? Just hey. super, Joe. What's on your mind? Well, uh, uh, this is a real treat for me because I've never been on air before. Well, here you are. <laughs> I'm down here in eastern North Carolina. We're freezing. You're freezing? Oh, come on. Freezing. We're in New Hampshire. It's cold. Let me see. It is about 22 degrees outside. Oh, we've got to be cold. I got my wow. heater running. Oh, you, yeah. <laughs> 22 degrees <laughs> outside. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I've got I to say we've got you beat, Joe. Uh, I looked at the temperature earlier today, and it was, I think, 10 during the midday, so it's probably a lot colder right now. It was negative 11 when I woke up. Really? Uh, negative well, 15 was well, the low in the middle of the night. It's cold us, but I know it's uh, warm the all. Uh, oh, very good. Now we've got the weather report. What were you calling the, about? Uh, uh, the, the old faithful call there, the earthquakes that are going on. What? Are you there? Yeah, which, I'm here. Which what, earthquakes are you, are you talking, talking about? about? Okay. Well, they've been having a lot of earthquakes around it, and... Uh, most of them you can't feel. Oh, around Don't Old mean Faithful. Okay. They could be hydrothermal uh, explosions and yeah, things like that. That's a volcano, right? I mean, that's things. essentially Old However, Faithful. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Yeah, tell there's me. Some, a lot of government horsemen that are running around out there. In this sense, they say there's only a 1% chance of a catastrophic event. That's a pretty high chance. I mean, as far as uh, molten lava pouring over your house if you live nearby, that's kind or of risky. Ash. 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 A lot of ash can get three feet of ash yeah. on you. It's heavier than wet snow, and it will just crumble buildings. And did you know that? It I did know that. heavier than wet snow. That is scary stuff, and I appreciate you calling in tonight. Thank you, sir, and good luck with the cold down there. 800-259-9231. Old Faithful is just another good example of how every, you can count on the one thing you can count on in this world is everything's going to change. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. A change is a constant. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. Gene in Tennessee, the Christian anarchist on the Ampline. Hey, guys. I wanted to tell you uh, where the uh, financial opportunities are going to be in this collapsing economy. But okay. Before that, I wanted to make a quick mention of my uh, my what I've been stirring up on your BBS with my thread, uh, Christian anarchy is the only sensible answer, and the you know, that thread's been going for three years, I guess, and uh, every once in a while I let it die out, but then somebody else will jump in there and post something, and then it'll all, it's like a hornet's nest all over again. Somehow I remember that, that thread. thread. <laughs> yeah, somehow that thread just attacks, it, it attracts uh, the atheists on the board, and they all want to try and jump in there and claim that uh, every time they post something that they're uh, 
you know, they're showing uh, what a fool I am, but I I think I turn it around right on them and show them what a fool they are. Okay. Because, uh, they are making assumptions too. But anyway, if anybody wants to know what Christian anarchy is like and why I believe it, they can uh, jump on the PBS, check that out. Thank you, Gene. What um, else? Here's what's going to happen with the economy. We all know it's collapsing. It's going to cr- it's going to come tumbling down. Um, we're going to wind up with hyperinflation, the whole ball of wax. But here's what's going to happen: where the new opportunities will be is going to be. You ready for this? Manufacturing. Because as this economy collapses and as the wages are driven down and as the imports dry up because nobody will, uh, will take our uh, crummy dollars anymore, the new opportunity is going to be in manufacturing. Now, there's a few old guys around like me that uh, grew up in manufacturing, and we know how to uh, set up a small, uh, small manufacturing plant. So you're going to see little tiny manufacturing outfits springing up like, uh, you know, they're going to make little widgets here and little widgets there. And manufacturing will come back to this company, this hmm. country, simply because the economics will be, uh, will return. For it's an it. interesting so, prediction. Do you have more predictions, Gene? That's it. That's right. the only one. Thank you for the call tonight. So manufacturing, Gene says, look out for that uh, to pop up across the country during the uh, tough economic times, which may be ahead here. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hey, since we were talking about Yellowstone and guns this hour, let's talk about guns in national parks. Coming up in Hour 3, this is Free Talk Live. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching an hour three of the program. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. It is Ian here with you tonight. And Dale. And Mark. And we go right into your phone calls. Let's talk to David in Maryland. David, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, David. Hello. You're on the air. Sweet. Okay. Uh, first, I just want to say uh, you guys helped me with a paper a while back. I emailed Ian. It was a paper about liberty for high school. Uh, just want to say thanks for that. I Excellent. got an A on the paper. Ah, congratulations. <laughs> You're lucky if we help you. That's not a guarantee. <laughs> well, it works that time. All right. Well, I'm calling tonight because... Uh, well, I guess it was back in 2008 now. Um, the police tried to arrest me for uh, drug paraphernalia when I had no drugs and no paraphernalia. Um, really? Yeah, they also tried to get me for trespassing. It was it was interesting. I was on um, school property after dark, and um, they had reports that people were throwing rocks at the school, so they came. But rather than leaving, I decided to uh, try and be nice and just explain that we were there while I was meeting with a group of friends and we were going to someone's house to play video games. Um, I see. They proceeded to claim that we were there. Uh, they have a sign-off friend that says you can't be there after 11 p.m. Uh, the officer decided that we weren't allowed to be there after dark. <laughs> I wouldn't go read the sign. <laughs> um, wow. And... and uh, 
upon searching the area, he found uh, a piece, you know, for smoking um, marijuana, mm-hmm. um, and then proceeded to say that it was automatically uh, belonged to one of us in the group. Um, was he correct about that? Upon, hmm? Was he correct about that? Uh, yes, he was. <laughs> However, the evidence was circumstantial. He was correct, technically speaking, I guess. However, the evidence was circumstantial. Uh, he did yeah, not observe. Very, did he observe? Very circumstantial. Right. Did he observe any of you uh, drop this piece? No, he didn't observe it. It was the one of the uh, people I was with dropped it because he saw the police coming. Of course, he didn't tell anyone until they already saw yeah. us. So we couldn't just leave at that point. Mm. Um, but, I mean, they they found that, and that was a really big deal because they were all minors. I was 18 at the time, so it was a big deal for me. Oh, yeah. It was his piece. I was like, well, we'll just have to admit it if they find it, and then we'll be on our way. But they searched us, and I had cigars. And, I mean, I'm allowed to have them, and we weren't really doing anything with them. Right. They tried to say that um, we were going to uh, stuff the cigars with weed that we didn't have because we had apparently already smoked it out of the piece. Good grief. So um, they, found, they found a bowl, but they didn't find weed, and you had cigars. Yeah, so they tried to say that the uh, cigars were drug paraphernalia. And how did that work out for them? I mean, what happened then? Um, well, ultimately, they did just let us leave, but really? um, not until they called the... Uh, well, the people I was with, they called all of their parents and mm-hmm. made me sit there and be seen by all of their parents so their parents could see what a terrible influence oh, I Oh, yeah, because you're the oldest, so you're influencing all these younger guys who are probably only, what, a year or two younger than you, 16, 17, I yeah. imagine? Something yeah, they, like were, they were 16. Right, but so... There's, there's a magical click that happens when you turn 18. Right, he's you're the suddenly 18, mature and adult and Right, he's the 18-year-old ringleader, so, uh, yeah. Who so, has X-ray vision and can see into his friend's band. Well, you know, I guess it could have been worse, though, right? I mean, at least... You didn't get arrested, and you didn't have to go to jail. And if all you, if the worst that happens is some of the parents, uh, you know, give you the the, the evil eye, then yeah, it could have been much worse. Yeah, I'd like to give you a recommendation. Uh, it's just a suggestion. Don't ever meet your friends at a government uh, on a government property, uh, whether it's the government school, whether it's uh, the government's uh, parks. Especially after hours, but just as a general rule, if you can meet at a McDonald's or you can meet at some 24-hour location, uh, something else, a gas station even. That's their uh, turf. They're always, exactly. You're they, on their turf. Yep, exactly right. I mean, I've, there are so many cases of kids going to a park. Uh, because, you know, it's relatively quiet most of the time. If it's nighttime at a park, you're thinking, well, we could go and get high at the park. And then, you know, it's since, as you say, Mark, it's their turf. There's a cop that rolls through every 15 minutes there. You know, they roll through the parking lot. And if you're sitting in there, you know, hot bake in the car or hot box in the car, rather, they're going to catch you. And uh, it's it's an easy it's an easy target for them. So just be careful with that in the future. All right. I have another. Oh, yeah, that lesson was learned. Yeah, and I I just want to say um, we actually weren't planning on doing anything that night, which made it all the more ironic. <laughs> my my suggestion is uh, also don't worry so much about what people think of you, and then when they bring the uh, man's hand, I'm not, I'm not funny too worried. <laughs> Thank you for the I call, David. I appreciate it. Good luck out there, and I thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. In fact, I'm sure O.J. in Nebraska will back me up on that suggestion. O.J., who is a law enforcement officer, generally a bad idea for kids to hang out in the park if they're going to be doing stuff like drinking and smoking, and just a generally a bad idea, period, to hang out in places like that, wouldn't you say, O.J.? 
OJ's gone. Oh, that's unfortunate because he was there, and I'm sure he would have had something to say to that. 800-259-9231. We try Tim in Toronto. You are on Free Talk Live. Tim. Tim Good evening. Hey. How are you? What's on your mind, Tim? Well, Gene called in, and it brought something to mind, and uh, I have to agree with him. You know, I, I, I see manufacturers coming back to the USA as, as a falling dollar makes American labor costs more, more competitive. But I think something else you guys touched on earlier tonight with uh, uh, the rest of the U.S. bailing out California will also play into that, um, meaning that it, it, I think it will be an incentive for people who are paying more into the federal government to promote secession. Yes. Uh, then, uh, you know. Absolutely. Uh, it would if uh, if California continues to suck off the federal teat, if Detroit gets ten billion dollars, California gets seven billion dollars, and then a year later they're back for more. You're absolutely right. That could certainly galvanize people in in states that are the so-called donor states that pay more than uh, it might than galvanize it's people. But it's uh, the politicians in those states are going to be the ones that decide whether or not they go, and the politicians are still getting the money from the government. So you'll have a situation where the the, the people might be incentivized, but we know very 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 well that the Governments don't do what the people want. Yeah, I, I think that secession still seems like a pipe dream, but it's one of those things as things get more and more desperate, it'll start sounding more uh, viable. Yeah, it's 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 a ways off still. I, but, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's not a, it's impossible or anything. It just seems like it's a ways but off. But that's going to start more conversations and more people talking about it means it's going to become an issue, I hope. And I, I think you're I think you're right, Tim. And you're up there in Toronto and you're observing all this. Yeah, well, I'm I'm originally from uh, the states, from south of the border. So. Gotcha. Why'd you move to Canada? Um, I move around the world with my wife, so we just uh, moved here from China. Oh wow, that's you really are quite uh, the world travelers. Is it is that something you do for a career, or you just like to move places? Yeah, no, we do. I do it with work too, and. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things I noticed in China. They have the, the big benefit of, of a low labor cost. But, you know, uh, just finding someone to repair your, uh, your uh, air conditioning at home, for instance. You know, uh, 10, 15 years ago, there was no air conditioning there. Mm-hmm. And they would, uh, you know, the, the, the knowledgeable labor that could repair your air conditioning was in big shortage. I think that'll play a big advantage in America when when the dollar does fall and labor costs come back down to you know a competitive rate. Well, now hold on a uh, second. I mean, aren't we dealing with a minimum wage factor here? I mean, I understand a lot of factory jobs are union. You're saying that essentially unions will go away and wages will fall as low as they possibly can? Because they obviously can't uh, fall below the minimum wage because the, the minimum wage isn't really an issue. The minimum wage but with the uh, inflation of the currency is some Mickey Mouse number that doesn't it, – it, it's not a living wage. It's not understood completely. So the minimum wage isn't an issue when, it, when you're start talking about the, the, the difference of uh, you know, transporting that stuff across the Pacific Ocean. I see. Thank you, Tim, for the call right. tonight. Appreciate hey. it. 800-259-9231. Uh, we're going to try O.J. back in Nebraska. O.J., are you there, sir? Yeah, somebody hit the wrong button, apparently. Would you Would you say um, that? Go ahead. I absolutely agree. Uh, parks after hours and schools after hours are, are not a good place to go. Yeah, it's, a, it's like uh, a guarantee of having an encounter with a, a police officer. Hang on, O.J., we're going to bring you back. I know you were calling for a reason other than to comment on that. So more with O.J., the cop, in moments. 800-259-9231 is the number for you to bring up whatever you want. That's the point of this show, and it's why we call it 
Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system, over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. You know your email is not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Wrong. Introducing privacyharbor.com. It's an easy-to-use, secure email alternative. You can sign up for a free account account today, and it's guaranteed to be private. PrivacyHarbor.com, because normal email is not secure. All right, so we continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. We'll start uh, back with O.J., who is a law enforcement officer in Nebraska. O.J., what were you calling about tonight? Oh, I just wanted to mention on your uh, your most recent uh, court fiasco there, the letter that you got. The, yes, uh, uh, just, just before you go before you go on to bring our listeners up to speed, uh, the government people here in Keene, uh, one, the prosecutor is threatening me, uh, suggesting that I need to be thrown in a jail cell uh, as a violation of suspended sentence from something that went down last year, uh, suggesting the reason why is because I blogged about and promoted the uh, Civil Disobedience Act that happened over the weekend involving marijuana uh, cannabis possession. And so that's what he's trying to do. Your thoughts, O.J.? Uh, my thoughts is that they're they're ignoring what the actual crime was here, if you want to call it crime, and that is the, the possession of marijuana. Uh, they they're kind of mixing and matching here, saying that that you assisted, promoted, facilitated the civil disobedience, which is true, uh, and characterizing that as uh, having some criminal culpability. Uh, which, if it was in the case of the, the marijuana in the eyes of the law, yeah, you certainly would have. You know, if you had encouraged him to do this in the first place, if you had put him in touch with somebody that could provide him with marijuana, things of that nature. But near as I can tell, that's not what you did. You, you promoted the uh, the event itself, you know, the, the, the public venue, and him being there, people coming to see that, and that portion of it is no crime whatsoever. Absolutely. I mean, they have they have no case at all. And today, Sam from the Obscure Truth Network and I both went down to the, uh, the district court and the police department and delivered a seven-page long motion to quash, which essentially just, dis- you know, essentially destroyed uh, whatever arguments he was, uh, was trying to make. Of course, we'll see what the judge thinks about it all within the next 10 days or so. Uh, so who knows how this is all going to play out, but most of the people that have looked at this have said, you know, this guy doesn't even have a leg to stand on. So hopefully it'll all work out okay. Uh, whether that will stop them from continuing to come after me in the future is a whole other uh, case. One of the things we pointed out in, the, um, in our motion was that we're looking into bringing criminal charges against whoever it is that is uh, in, in whoever it is that's ordering this harassment against me, and so so we'll see. Maybe that'll scare them away. I don't know. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Thanks, OJ. Uh, good luck. Yes, sir. Uh, any other thoughts? Uh, I'll call another time and uh, talk some more. But I'm I'm at work right now. And I'm we on can my tell. <laughs> Thank you for the call, Have dude. Have a good night. Yep, Be safe bye. out there. O.J. the Cop, uh, offering his uh, expert inside the system advice. Always interesting to hear from people in those roles. Have you heard from him before? Is he a new caller? He's not that new. He's been calling for the last, I would say, handful of months on the show. 
800-259-9231. So we'll see what goes on. Uh, Sam came with me from the Obscure Truth Network, and he deserves uh, the credit for putting together that motion. I mean, the guy is just uh, Johnny on the spot when it comes to uh, dealing with this stuff, and he he did an amazing job. ObscureTruth.com is his website, and he's going to send me some of the footage that he shot today because first we went to the district court where, as you know, Dale, they have this standing order that says that you must stand for the judge anytime you're in the courtroom. But as you might recall, in addition to that, on that same piece of paper, they also said that camera use was now restricted yes. in the lobby area. So as soon as you step into the clerk's area of the district court here in Keene, New Hampshire, they are ordering people to turn off their cameras. And, of course, Sam... Not so much for uh, following those sorts of orders. So when we walked into the district court and a bailiff immediately... I don't know who these people think they are. I mean, it's not like it's their courtroom. It's ours. The people of Cheshire County, it's ours. That, well, and you can't like tell the that. public <laughs> that they can't have cameras in there. But that's but that's just it. That's an illusion that it's our courtroom. Yeah, but it, it isn't it is really a, it, our courtroom. It is a bunch of crap, and they show it every time they do this nonsense. But... I don't know who these people think they are. I swear. It's, it's just like it's not our taxes, you know, that Ian likes to point out. It's not our taxes. It's, you know, they're stealing from us. That's making it our taxes. They're men with guns, Mark, who know they can do whatever it is they want. I was talking with somebody about what this judge was. Uh, the, the, basically, the judge has created the law from his from his bench. He has said that now here are the rules. Okay, yeah, the, the, the New Hampshire statutes say that I can only uh, control cameras that are actually in the proceedings. But now I'm going to say that that uh, purview expands out to the actual actual uh, lobby area of the courtroom. So he has essentially just created his own legislation by writing it down on a piece of paper. And because the bailiffs don't know what the law is, they, they, right. they, they believe the judge is the law. His court ends at that door. Right. They it believe, does. They believe the he judge is the law. He doesn't have any power beyond that door. But he does, because he has men with guns who are willing to follow his every single word, whatever it is he point, says. At that point, he's just a gangster. And they're just thugs. That's right. That's right. So, I mean, you know, the, 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 the tradition has always been in his court he is law, but outside of his court he is not. He is now just a presiding king. Right, and he's expanded his kingdom from the court to the actual lobby. So we walked in today, Sam had his camera rolling the entire time, and immediately a bailiff comes out of the little bailiff's quarters and demands that Sam turn the camera off. And uh, Sam came back with a brilliant response about how, uh, you know, under the New Hampshire Constitution, I will not turn the camera off or something like that. And we've, we've got it all on tape. Sam and, is sharp. Yeah, he did a really good brilliant. job. And so this guy said, well, you've got to turn the camera off. Stand by. And he walked into another room, presumably to go and consult with some of his buddies. And so all, I had the paperwork ready to go, and there was no line. So I just you know, signed the, the forms, handed them to the lady. She stamped them, and we were out of there. So by the time – I don't know when that guy ended up coming back, but when he came back, we were no longer standing in the lobby. So, uh, so nothing ended up happening as a result of that. But, and I know Sam's really busy. He's got a lot of footage that he's going through, and he's, he's just now gotten himself settled here in Keene. But he has – told me that he'll send me along the the raw copy of that so we can upload it to YouTube and you can see what happened this You afternoon. know Nick predicted that they would do that as far as putting that new, the, the sanctions up for standing uh, for I the didn't judge. Know that. Nick Nick said you know he thought they might do that and sure enough we go in there and said and Nick pointed at it and said look and he had predicted that they you know but it's like, might do that. Well, it's like he's setting up, though, the next instance of civil disobedience. I mean, it's almost like, <laughs> I mean, if you really wanted to be, be in a bizarre way, I don't even know if paranoid is the right term for this, but 
conspiracy theorists or whatever, if you wanted to look at this from an unusual perspective, you'd think that they would realize at some point that what they're doing by with these crackdowns is just creating press. It's creating newsworthy things to talk about. It's creating controversy. It's resulting in blogs being posted. It's resulting in videos being uploaded to YouTube. It's resulting in more people getting an interest in moving to Keene rather than yeah. any, anywhere else. You'd think they'd the figure it out. The message boards, are, there's uh, so many threads about people trying to find apartments and wanting to move to Keene right. and trying to get roommates. and. I don't. Yeah. Re- I, I mean, it's almost they, like that's what they want. They it's don't get like, it. They don't realize that we're not. I guess the same pushovers. That else I told them that in the letter that I wrote, which was apparently also illegal. The letter that I wrote to the uh, the judge. Not I said, illegal. Well, just interpreted that way. Well, anyway, uh, I made it clear that this is what's happening. The more you crack down, the more the consequences are going to come. And when I say consequences, I mean peaceful ones. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. So enjoy those, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page, going back for an entire year, totally free at freetalklive.com as uh, we continue with your phone calls about what you want. Paula is on the line in Florida. Hello, Paula. Paula, Florida, going once. Yeah, hi, I'm hey, here. Hey, Paula, what's on your yeah, mind? Hi. We just got uh, something explained to us on Trinity Broadcasting by this Russian philosopher and also Hal Lindsey. They were talking about, you know, the way it was going to be in the last days, and he prophesied... Wait, the last days of what? Huh? The last days of what, America? Uh, yeah. And he said, uh, uh, he even prophesied about the de- downfall of the United States. And uh, anyway, he says, what's going to happen? Because the debts we owe, parts of the United States is going to be divided up and owned by different countries. Like China will have part of the western part of the, of the country from t- uh, and up to Utah. <laughs> That's not Texas. the story I had heard. I, well, I wait mean, a minute. We... They, were try- that, you know, they were trying to say you back during the time of Johnson, they didn't have – Greek didn't have numbers. They had letters. But anyway, they were trying to describe exactly what was coming down. And so it's what is planned, like the mark of the beast. It's not going to be a mark on you. It's going to be a card you're going to be given. And you'll well, now, wait a minute. I mean, then, how, then what about the uh, forehead and the hand part? Okay, uh, that was the only way he could try to explain because, I mean, they didn't have numbers back then. The Greek didn't. And so, wait, anyway, that didn't answer Mark's question. Well, the thing is, because the, the Greek didn't have numbers, they had letters. You know, they were trying to explain how this was actually going to come down. At the time, they used to have, uh, like, um, things that people would have, like a bracelet that somebody would, uh, would wear a long time ago that had a number on it and or, or mark on it, and then they had other things they, they carried with them, or, you know, stuff like this that had a mark on it. So the hand but, and the forehead thing was to indicate that it was, an, in fact, an identi- identification card. You know, at the time. Is there any but, chance that John was just on this island of Patmos and ate a bunch of psilocybic mushrooms and wrote this crap down? No, but anyway, he said that because the debts we owe, he said when the United States falls, he said, like, the eastern part of the coast uh, from South Carolina will be owned by the EU, uh, the upper part of the United States. And that down. I don't understand. I, that, that is not what no, I heard. The United States doesn't oh, own any of the states. The debts we owe. They never bought it. Huh? The United States doesn't own the land, and it doesn't own the states. Now, they may own cer- certain portions of the land, but the United States government never bought New Hampshire. 
They act well, like they do sometimes, I'm but they don't know. I'm just saying exactly <laughs> what they were trying to predict what was coming All down. All right, Paula, thanks for the prediction, and thanks for the could, call. I mean, 800, very, thank you, 800-259-9231. I don't know about all that. Now, I remember that we actually did talk about that Russian guy that she's, that she's referencing, because sometimes whenever Paula calls in, a lot of times there's usually a kernel of truth somewhere in what it is that she's saying. And the kernel of truth was that there is a Russian, you know, guy that made some predictions and he predicted the breakup of the United States. And uh, I guess he predicted a couple other things in the past. But as I recall from that story, when we when we to- talked about it on the Has air. Has he been right about anything yet, this Russian guy? I th- he was Russian, but right about something in okay. the past. I forget what it was. But I was right about the uh, government's uh, taking control of the banks and nationalizing them. Do I get to make predictions now? You can make as many predictions as you like. Nobody, and, they're not news. They're not news. But what I, I don't recall his predictions having to do with China taking over. I, maybe, maybe that was. What I, he I said. think I've predicted that politicians, when they're running for office, will make a lot of promises and mm-hmm. then not and, then, and spread a bunch of rhetoric and then come in and act just like all the other politicians. Now you're. Uh, now, See, yeah. I'm I'm like Nostradamus. Talk about going out on a limb, Dale. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So Paula, you know, take her with a grain of salt. In fact, take everything with a grain of salt. Don't don't take anything that we say as uh, the absolute truth, or what any caller says, or what any uh, self-purported expert says. You need to judge everything for yourself, compare opinions, and make your own decisions. So one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk about the weapons ban. The weapons ban in national parks. Now, as you may be aware, uh, back in December, there was a, a news that, that broke about the Bush administration giving uh, the NRA a parting gift by lifting a decades-long ban on concealed weapons in national parks. These harmful new rules could take years to undo, warned the suntan status. This from Vin Saprinowitz at LewRockwell.com. Make no mistake, though, they must be taken off the books before they can do too much damage. Beginning on January 9th, Everglades and Biscayne National Parks and the dozens of federal wildlife refuges and forests in Florida will be open to visitors packing guns. Under the new rule, anyone in Florida with a concealed weapons permit qualifies to bring a gun into a national park. There are more than 537,000 Florida residents with concealed weapons permits. Allowing visitors to carry firearms into these national treasures makes no sense, said some bureaucrat. <laughs> Trying to stop them to doesn't happen? make any sense either. What is suddenly going to happen? What do they think is suddenly going to happen? I don't know. Apparently they believe all, all places, of a sudden people are going to massacre people. All these places that allow guns and lots of places, like in New Hampshire and lots of other places where they allow guns, there's there's not much going on. Didn't they, different than the places where they don't allow guns. Right. Well, didn't they bring back the Castle dro- Doctrine in Florida not yes, too long yes. ago, Mark? And there was a big uproar about how all of a sudden murder was was going to be on the rise and people would be killing each other and where did it, ha- it and that was a couple of years ago and it hasn't yeah, happened it's it hasn't a bunch happened. of hooey um, you know they just want to scare the crap out of you because people are afraid of guns because they're loud the weapons ban has worked well all these years says the bureaucrat it's reduced poaching of endangered species and kept the level of violence between people to a minimum so mr Saprinowitz says the new rules partially restoring a guaranteed civil and constitutional right were promulgated by the Interior Department but came straight from the White House, complains the Herald. So the department that's charged with protecting our legacy of federally owned parks, refuges, and wildernesses instead has been forced to put these lands and the people who visit them at greater risk. You know, they, these people don't have a very uh, g- good respect of democracy, do they? These stinking bureaucrats. I mean, they claim that this government is uh, what's keeping us safe, but the president is the one who handed this down. He was elected on um, to, to this position on high 
by, well, you know, at Their least, system. At least no. 25% of the, the population. Nobody respects democracy when it doesn't give them what they want. Yeah, right. as long that's as exactly what it is. As long as it's going their well, way, then democracy's great, right? Yeah, when they're imposing yep. their will on the minority, then they're like, oh, everything's yep. cool. Their democracy, opinion you have to respect stinks, it. and it stunk when they were in charge, too. Surely the top priority of the federal government, which is uh, the reason governments are instituted among men, supposedly, is to protect and defend our liberties, among which, uh, among which one of the foremost is our right to keep and bear arms. Now, even the current rules change restores this right only in part, since most national park visitors come from far away. What are the chances most will have even the slightest idea of how to obtain the required state permit? The status at the Herald reply that the weapons ban has worked well all these years. It's reduced poaching of endangered species and kept the level of violence between people to a minimum. Well, first, since we're talking primarily about the kind of self-defense weapon for which I might receive a state concealed carry permit, I find the inclusion of this reference to poaching rather odd. In fact, this supposed gun ban did little to limit the nearly industrial levels of gator poaching by the locals in Florida, which continued for decades in the Everglades. The population you of, don't shoot a gator with a with a handgun. You shoot it with a <laughs> rifle. The population of big cats down that away also seems suspiciously small. If no poaching or trapping has been going on since the 1930s, fewer and than you, a hundred. You're even less likely to shoot a, a Florida panther with a you know uh, Colt 1911. Right. Well, you're even less likely because there are hardly any of them left. Because people have been poaching them. You're not going to get that close to them. Fewer than a hundred Florida panthers are believed to persist in the wild. The Federals, who, off, who also operate the Corps of Engineers... If you want to save the Panthers, let people own them. ...which has been diverting water away from the Everglades for 60 years, haven't even done a very good job of keeping most of the wetlands wet, for heaven's sake. Second, while in an emergency you use what you've got, anyone intent on poaching a bear or another large animal like an alligator with a small concealable handgun might, I suppose, get pretty much what he or she deserves. But yeah, what really, problem takes care of itself. What really puzzles me is what on earth these minions of Washington City mean when they say the weapons ban has worked well all these years. It's kept the level of violence between people to a minimum. Did going unarmed work well for the unarmed hikers Mary Cooper, age 56, and her daughter Susanna Stodden, 27, whose bodies were found shot in the head alongside the Pinnacle Lake Trail in the Mount Baker National Forest east of Everett, Washington, by a hiker in 2006? But how, how were they shot in the head if guns were banned there? Mm, things that make You're not you go, allowed to have mm. a gun, so how could they possibly have been shot in the head? Technically, since the national forests are administered differently than the national parks and monuments, the Seattle mother and daughter could have gone armed into that national forest so long as they'd obeyed the Washington state law. Perhaps it would have helped to encourage them, had as much signage as they used to warn about forest fires, been devoted to warning hikers that we've only got a handful of rangers to protect the area the size of a small state here. Your protection is your own job. We're coming up here about the gun uh, allowance into national parks here and what some people have to say about it and uh, Vince Prinowitz's thoughts at lurockwell.com 800-259-9231 but better would be your thoughts at 1-800-259-9231 should guns be banned from state parks and national parks it's free talk live This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call. If you make it now to 1-800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Dale. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com, the features we give away. So enjoy those on us. And if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to promote us. Go to promote.freetalklive.com. Get the whole list of things that you can do. Pick the ones that most interest you. Most of them are completely free or very, very low cost. Promote.freetalklive.com. 
dot com. And uh, we continue here. Just a few more thoughts from Vin Soprinowitz over at LouRockwell.com talking about how apparently now, uh, because now because of uh, some last minute thing the Bush administration did, one of the few few somewhat decent things they did. Uh, which, I mean, very it's a very short list, like one or two things. Uh, they made it so you can now carry a weapon into a national park if you have the appropriate government permit, of course. And a lot of people are getting very upset about this. Oh, my God, people are going to start shooting everybody in the park, so look out. Well, well, wait a minute. What about when the uh, the ban was in effect? What about the people that were hurt then? As he points out, uh, according to Washington Trails magazine, there were only five armed law enforcement rangers working for the entire Mount Baker squall. Snoqualmie National Forest, a patch of public land larger than the state of Delaware, when two women were shot and killed. Was that number adequate to protect the public's safety? Forest supervisor told the magazine, no. Our parks today are some of the safest places in the country, said the Herald editorialists. Tell that to Barbara Schoner, who in April of 1994 was attacked by an 82-pound female lion as she was jogging along a park trail in the Sierra foothills northeast of Sacramento. The lion bit her neck and then crushed her skull. Mm. Then it dragged the unarmed woman 300 feet down a hill and ate her face, upper back, lungs, spleen, pancreas, kidney, stomach, liver, and small intestines. In the Great Smoky Mountains National Park in 2006, one man was stabbed to death by a drunk, and in a separate incident, a woman was shot dead. Also that year, on the Blue Ridge Parkway, a woman parked at an overlook and wearing headphones while studying for final exams was killed by a handgun by a suspect on a killing spree, according to the Park Service. How did the ban on carrying self-defense weapons work well for those folks? And the relatively small count of 11 violent deaths in the national parks in 2006 didn't include rapes, other non-fatal assaults, or places from which law-abiding citizens are now de facto excluded, such as the Saguaro National Monument west of Tucson, where locals say the stream of illegal immigrants being hauled north by their coyotes can make the place resemble an old-fashioned stock car track. Yes, you could say some of our parks have been some of the safest places in the country if you want to compare them to other victim disarmament zones like the District of Columbia, New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, and Detroit. According to the president of the Montana Shooting Sports Association, if you're hiking in the backcountry and there's a problem with a criminal or an, inv- or, or an aggressive animal, and there's no 911 box where you can call the police and have a 60-second response, that, or there is no 911 box where you can call the police and have them appear instantly. While park rangers now use bulletproof vests and automatic weapons to enforce the law, regular Americans in states where concealed and carry laws exist are denied the opportunity for self-defense. 800-259-9231. So we go to your phone calls, your thoughts on this. Uh, Do you think that guns should be allowed in these places? I think guns should be allowed wherever it is private property owners will. Oh, wait a minute. This isn't private property. So you don't really get to set the rules. Tragedy of the commons. They get to set the rules, and public, what they say goes. Public property is an oxymoron. What do you mean by that? Well, if you, what is property? By definition, property is the ability to exclude someone from the use of something. And so, I mean, if it's public, presumably, you know, you, if everyone owns something, then no nobody owns it. it. There is no such thing as public property. Let's Somebody, to, you know, effectively, whoever controls it is what who really owns it. So right, the there's an armed gang. It. Right, there's an yeah. armed gang that occupies that property, but they don't legitimately own it. They don't have any legitimate claim to it right. beyond violence. We continue with Tony in Texas. Tony, you are on Free Talk Live. How y'all doing? Hey, what's on your mind, Tony? Yes, sir. I do a lot of... Uh 
vacationing in national parks. Mm-hmm. We have some of the most beautiful parks in the world. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed at how these uh, people that run these parks are more concerned about the wildlife than they are the, uh, the protection of our families. Yeah. We track three hours in, three hours out. I have always carried my weapon, never had to use it. Thank goodness. But uh, I'm amazed uh, signs are going to throw me in jail. So, so you've uh, carried the weapon in regardless of what the rules say, and I don't blame you for that. I love my family. Yeah, that's I the love, right thing to I do. I love They say it's better to be uh, judged by 12 than carried by 6, right? Right. But we're going to protect our families, so make all the rules and laws you want. Yep. It doesn't mean we're going to follow them. I'm not. Well, so I mean, I guess that means that if they decide to ban guns completely, you won't be in line turning them in then, huh? Oh, by no means. You're good man, Tony, and I appreciate the call tonight. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Bill in Ohio. Bill, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian Dale and Mark. Yes. Bill, what's on your mind tonight? Good show. I listen to you often. Thanks, Thank Bill. You. Uh, so, you was talking about abandoned guns in the National Force, I believe. Yes, sir. Well, let's turn the tables on them every time they come up uh, to us toting a gun. Say, why are you toting one won't let us do it? Yeah. It's clear who the masters and who the servants are. Well, when, some, when somebody says they support gun control, you know, they're against guns, I like to say, well, you know, I don't, I don't agree, but I, I have to admit that if the police and the military didn't have guns, we'd have a lot less wars and a lot less police abuse. And then, of course, they'll go, oh, well, the police and the military need to have guns. So I'll say, oh, you're not anti-gun, you're pro-elitism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've always come up with an answer, but, but the bottom line is simply this. If they'd just get rid of the police... And let us handle our own problems. It'd be a better world. Yep. I agree with you. I, I mean, I would like to see the police um, behaving and doing the right thing, but it seems like they aren't doing that. And I don't know if any amount of cajoling or persuading can get them to do it. It seems like all they do is just follow the orders they're given. Now, some of them claim they have lines that they've drawn and that, you know, if they're ordered to go and confiscate weapons, some of them say they won't do it. And I think that's good for them to say those things. But in the meantime, they're still wreaking havoc on innocent people's lives. And I, I have to agree with you. I, I think that having no cops uh, would be a better situation and then we could allow whatever market protection services would uh, would automatically develop naturally in the marketplace to uh, to replace them and, and allow competition and the innovation and the the lowered costs and the wonderful things that uh, always sprout from competition to 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 bloom true uh there's one thing to re- remember uh most of your uh Law enforcement is appointed agents. We've never voted for one of them except for the sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. And if they'd get in line and do what they're supposed to and protect us, we wouldn't need the rest of them. Thank yeah. you for the call tonight. Really appreciate it. Let's continue with with Herb or Herb. How do you, you pronounce it? I guess if it's a guy's name, it's always Herb, Herb right? Yeah, Herb. <laughs> yeah, it's Ferb. Herb, you're on the air in Utah. Ferb. It's Ferb. Yeah. Hey, I saw this thing uh, posted uh, on Amazon.com. It's called the Playmobil Security Checkpoint. Yes, I have seen it as well. Hey, Herb, your phone sucks. We've got to let you go. Ferb, sorry, see, I couldn't even hear his name. Ferb, thanks for the call. Sorry, your phone sucks. Uh, But, yes, the Play School security set. Have you guys seen this thing? Yeah, it's it's a little set for TSA. It's so disturbing. TSA Checkpoint uh, Play School. It's got the little figures. I thought it might have been a joke. 
It's real. It is real. <laughs> it sounds, it sounds <laughs> like one of those things that's that's too bizarre to be a joke. I don't know. There's, like, a, there's a comment on there I read one time, yes. which I can't tell enough. They're hilarious. It, it, it's amazing. But, um, you know, it, it just it, it goes to show, uh, you know, how you can use things on the Internet like that to uh, do a little outreach. And this guy <laughs> did a little outreach with it. It was a really great comment. And it was a very sarcastic comment. Oh. It, was, it was to the effect of, uh, thank you, Play School, for allowing me to teach my children how to be uh, obedient little serfs in front of these uh, the, the government bureaucrats. I, I'm not uh, paraphrasing it very effectively, but it was very sarcastic and, and very good. But, yes, they are selling it. It's just shocking. It's a real shocking statement about the police state we live in that the, uh, the major manufacturers out their play school it's a huge children's toy manufacturer i mean you've seen the the little rounded face it people playmobil playmobil yeah, yeah. playmobil These toy little, guns are bad though r- the toy little, guns are bad but 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 t- toys about uh being a, a tyrannical statist over your fellow man or right are well the, the playmobil <laughs> has this swat helicopter with uh with, you know with the guy with the 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 rifle hanging out the side so he can shoot people from the side really? of the helicopter <laughs> so that's fine is that really in it? it well yeah that's that's really there I mean, I can. I, wow, I got it right here. And they've got the cop with the uh, radar patrol, uh, you know, picking, get, getting dangerous citizens. So wait, they uh, have a whole line. You're saying this isn't the one. You're saying these are different sets yep. that you're talking yep. about. Wow, got a whole bunch of them. You can establish a whole play police state. <laughs> yep, you can. You with can. your friends, and you your really buddies. could with this. Start your kids into their obedience training early. Start them in preschool before they're even in the government school system. That's what this is all about. It's about training people to not question. It's about training people to bend over and to bow down and to do as they're told. And I'm about sick of it myself. How about you guys? Yeah. Or take part in the tyranny is what they're... It's an American is what it is. More coming up tomorrow night. You can join us for the live Saturday edition. Dale, thanks for coming in tonight. Glad to be here. Dale from anarchyinyourhead.com. Mark and I will return for the live Saturday edition tomorrow. We'll see you online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. This is Michael Z. Williamson, author of, well, uh, he's author of Freehold, uh, The Weapon, and uh, one recently is It's Better to Beg Forgiveness. Uh, Michael, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Great. Um, now, you, do you have, a, you have a new book coming out that uh, you're intending to tell us about? Uh, I do, and I can. Um, I believe it's April 9th. It's uh, Contact with Chaos. Contact with Chaos. Is that, uh, is, is that in that same series that I was mentioning? I know, you've, I know you've done a great deal more than what I've talked about. Those are the ones that I've read, and uh, so that's what I know about. Yeah, it's in the same universe. I try to make all my books stand alone, so if someone picks one up, they don't have to worry about looking for a uh, bunch of backstory they're missing. Yeah, I, you know, I, I appreciate that when uh, the, be able to be able to pick up a story and and read them um, like that, and and I like your the universe you're you're talking about there is the one with the the planet Grange. Is that pr- the proper pronunciation? Uh, Grenya, I think, is the Celtic pronunciation. Okay, Grenya. Um, the, this I'm going to have to if I say Grange, <laughs> you'll forgive That's me. Fine. Uh, I've read three of these books now, and in my mind, it's been Grange. <laughs> okay, so in on this planet Grenya, uh, t- tell us about the uh, the economics the world um well it was a remote colony uh system and it started out very laissez-faire and uh just sort of grew that way uh, i've got uh, some backstory for it but it hasn't actually been in any books yet um basically they rely on their government for a few minimal things such as a court system and uh national defense and pretty much everything else is on a uh 
on a uh, laissez-faire capitalist basis. So people, uh, not even a police force? Um, the, the cities have token uh, police forces. They're sort of uh, combination first responder and uh, security. Okay. Uh, they'll show up and you know, take a report. They'll render aid if needed, and that's uh, about the limit of their authority. And uh, their, their constitutions are set up in a manner that uh, their, their citizens have to pay to be citizens, and therefore they're thoroughly invested, and they get a vote, and it, it – excuse me – it. Uh, Makes it less likely that corruption would uh, exist, and and that's you know citizenry citizenship appears to be the highest level of authority that there is on the, uh, the 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 world. So it's a very libertarian type world. Would you describe yourself that way? Uh, yes. Um, although I, I ran for office as a libertarian in 2000, and I was not overly impressed with a lot of the local candidates I was running with, fortunately. So is that uh, other libertarians? Yes. Oh, I feel uh, your pain, brother. Um, they're very disorganized. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I, I, it's one of the reasons that I hesitate to call myself a libertarian is because of the libertarian parties out there and well, what a mess they're in and um, what a sort of joke the National Libertarian Party is. I, you know, th- th- that's the ter- difference between the terminology Big L and Little L Libertarian. Right. But some, some people them, can confuse that, too. Some of them uh, seem to be almost too organized and cloning themselves on the major parties, and then some of them just seem to be... Uh, anarchist uh, uh, social clubs with no organization whatsoever. Yeah, well, that's that's you know sort of how it's uh, been yeah. for me as the anarchist social club. But uh, you know, I, I didn't mind going to Bennigan's once a month. Um, yeah, <laughs> they weren't accomplishing anything, but yeah, that was fine. So um, th- now, now being a libertarian and uh, having found sort of libertarian literature, I didn't. There wasn't much out there. I didn't even look for it until a couple of years ago when a friend turned me on to Terry Goodkind, which is only sort of you know that he's more of an objectivist than a libertarian. But right. um, it's it's difficult stuff to find. But now I sort of relegate myself to that. I don't want to read anything that's not libertarian fiction because. I find it irksome to to hear how uh, so many authors just stroke the state or see the you know state as solutions to things. Um, right. And, and how many how many books have you written? I know you, I've seen your name on quite a few. I think it's nine. And would all of them be sort of along the line of uh, you know talking about libertarian stuff, or are they more or less? How does that go I've for you? I've got a uh, trilogy of military fiction: snipers hunting terrorists. Okay. Um, that's. It's conservative, but there's certainly a um, a hint of libertarianism in the characters, and in, in that they, you know, would prefer just to uh, be left alone and leave people alone rather than have uh, everything get all involved. Right. You actually find a lot of that in the military because, obviously, the military is burdened down by regulations. Yeah. Frequently contradictory, and you, know, you just have to put up with it. So um, you're in the military, is that right? Uh, I'm. 23 years, I started active Air Force. I did uh, Army Guard twice and Air Guard twice. I deployed for Desert Fox and OIF. Desert Fox. You don't have to kill me if you tell me about that. Okay, great. Um, (laughs) Now, so if you're – so you're a libertarian, and I'm doing a libertarian, nationally syndicated libertarian show for the last six years. I I found that – there's sort of there, there's a broad spectrum of libertarians out there. The military is very good at delivering to us, if you want to use the term, uh, liber- good libertarians, because well, they, as my uncle said, the government you know nearly ruined him for real work, 
and some <laughs> people get to, people get to see what it's like, what the government's like up close and personal, and they realize, wow, this is a bunch of in, inefficient bureaucracy of people who are log rolling, back scratching, and doing what they can for themselves. There, there are a lot of socially conservative libertarians in the military. I, I would say. Yep. So, so conservatives. <laughs> yeah. So I and I understand that. I that's where I came from. I just sort of you know I was a conservative, and then honestly being on the air and listening to people, that's what turned me into more of a social liberal, in the sense that I, I guess I wouldn't really call myself a social liberal. I'd call myself a real fiscal conservative, in the sense that I don't believe you can efficiently punish people for uh, so, you know uh, aberrant behavior. Right, and and why should you as long as they're contributing to the economy? Yeah, I, th- yeah. Th- that's that's where I'm coming from. So I mean, I I, I approach everything essentially from a uh, from a point of view of uh, finance. But I understand people that are coming from it from you know I don't want to wear a helmet or smoke pod or you know whatever it is that they want. That's that's cool for me. Right. Um. Now the the other spectrum is is there's. You know, there's a there's a real dislike for military people, paid killers, uh, and you know I can't say that I haven't felt this. Police officers, anybody who works for the government, in the libertarian groups, do you feel this at all? How do you? What, where do? Where does this? Where does it hit I, home I for you? I see it quite a bit. Um, all I can say is firsthand, having been you know, over in the sandbox and catching the news. Mm-hmm. Uh, just pretend the news doesn't happen because it bears no resemblance to actual events whatsoever in most cases. Yeah. It, it, uh, believe least... it or not, Al Jazeera is actually more accurate than CNN. You know, honestly, I know I it's 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 a un, unpopular thing to say, but Al Jazeera does some pretty good reporting. Um I, you know, I've I've gone to them for news sources too. I I go to I, I go to CNN it, uh... also. I saw one of theirs where they covered gun control and they were out in Montana and they were interviewing families who went out shooting and they weren't portraying them as nut jobs and they weren't portraying them as revolutionaries. Mm-hmm. They were just families out you know, for recreation. I think that and, you know, automatic or not automatic rifles, but you know, AK-47s are pretty popular in the Middle East, are they not? I mean, I, know, I heard in Iraq that just about everybody had one. Um, pretty much. Uh, and uh, Desert Fox, I was in Kuwait and that was right at the time they were celebrating uh, their independence from Iraq, which they celebrate every year, the independence meeting from the war. Right. And uh, you know, they, they, they go out shooting in the air and letting off fireworks. And, uh, well, shooting in the air is a good way to celebrate your independence from life, too. I hear those bullets <laughs> yeah. come back down. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, it's a strange part of the world. I, in Mexico, they do this, too, and it's my understanding that few people die every year from uh, bullets Detroit, coming back down. In Chicago... Yeah, yeah. Well, lots of uh, lots of parts of the third world. Yeah, I don't know about the uh, sh- shooting in Detroit or Chicago. It wasn't happening when I was there, but you know that I didn't stay long either. <laughs> okay, we should talk about your books. I, sure. you know, <laughs> I, I don't get too many famous libertarians, if if there are too many of those in the world, on the show, so I don't get a chance to talk about that. And I know that people are going to want to find out about, um, you know, what it's what it's like to be in the military and be a libertarian, especially be a career military. Um, the <sighs> Which one of the books, as far as now, I've read the three Freehold, which I believe is the start of this world yeah, series. That was my first one. And then uh, the Weapon came the second one, and then the the third one was It's Better to Beg Forgiveness. Is that correct? Um, yes. Okay. In that universe, yes. And then number four was is is coming out in April. Yes. Give me the name of that again, please. Contact with Chaos. Contact with Chaos. Okay. And each time you use different characters and stuff like that, right? There's occasional overlap, but yeah, they're different characters, different settings. Yeah, b- b- barely overlap. I mean, enough overlap that you're interested in if you've read the other books. Right. Um, now, which one was your favorite? 
Um, difficult to say. Uh, hey, Freehold was my first. It's not my best written because I've obviously improved as a writer, but uh, it had a lot of um, emotion, raw anger in it, mm-hmm. now, uh, and it's it still sells very well. I think uh, I, I can see why it would. It was a very good book. Now I'd like to let, real quickly. I don't know whether a book is when I'm reading a book. I don't know whether it's well written or not. I don't. I don't even know how that what that means. But I can tell you whether or not I enjoy it. I have a sure. little rule, for, and I'm sure my, I know our listeners have heard it many, many times. I have a rule where um, because. I, I spent nine years in prison, and uh, we on, in, in the prison library, on the 51st page, we would stamp our little stamp so that we knew that that was our book. And so okay. once I would see that stamp, I'd decide whether or not I liked the book, and so it's my 51-page rule. No one knew uh, where the 51-page rule came from until this time. But so on the 51st page, that's where I generally try to decide, but I, you know, I never even considered the pages on yours. Yours are um, they, they're very action-packed. They zip along. They, they talk about the, the libertarian world's very well um you know enough enough that i you know you get you get a chance to think about it because that's the nice thing about being a science fiction author is you can create your own libertarian world any way you want (laughs) so uh even though i occasionally get people emailing me and telling me i did it all wrong no yeah well i'm sure that that's true if if that's fine then they can write their own book that's right yeah this is my universe right as a matter of fact send the send, send the review copy to me if i like it I'll put you know put my name on the back and there you go you know yeah. I mean I don't I don't know I I'd love to write one of these things too but uh, you know it's just a lot easier being a reader than a writer yeah now, the weapon was very grim um, I don't know if I'll do something like that again because uh, I mean the people who enjoyed it really enjoyed it but a lot of people just found it too depressing really yeah that one did that one hurt you to write um, no that okay. there were large chunks of it where I basically got into a uh, trance and didn't realize afterwards, you know, I'd go back, oh, I need to write a section about, and I, I'd already done it. Yeah. So, um, so you say that some people, you know, the people that really liked it, really liked it, and then um, there were other people that were just disturbed by it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, guess. General, generally, veterans really liked it, and uh, a lot of civilians were disturbed by it. Well, um, put me in the column, A column, because I re- that was my favorite. Um, I... I also enjoyed, uh, you know, I enjoyed them all, and it's like picking between your favorite children. You know, it's it's one of those situations. I, you know, I, I enjoyed all three of those books and right. um, recommend them highly. If anybody's, you know, looking, uh, you know, wondering why haven't I say I recommend them? I recommend these highly. I'm going to give these books five stars. I, I thoroughly recommend them, especially if you like either uh, libertarian fiction or uh, science fiction. Try these books. You'll love them. Uh, they're very military sort of written, and um, that, that gives them an authentic feel. So check them out. Um, and it's Michael Z. Williamson. You can get them at uh, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, and I'm sure they have used ones there, new ones, or whatever. Yes. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> I wanted to get my recommendation, Michael. Sure. Um, yeah, Better to Beg Forgiveness. That was probably the most fun to write. Yeah, that was just, that, that it was an blast. a lot of characterization in that, and I um, d- did you did you get to sort of because each the the weapon and uh, the, the freehold had sort of one protagonist, whereas right. it was hard to pick the protagonist out of uh, uh, it's better beg, to beg for forgiveness. It was more of a team exactly written yeah. thing. Yeah, did you? Had that had that feel when you were writing it? I mean, did you sort of get to switch between personalities or anything? Um. I actually started with a couple of main ones and then fleshed out scenes with the others. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to work at characters for a couple of them, but it you know, wasn't 
who was the bomb? Fairly natural. Who was the bomb making gal? Was she? She was hot. Who was she based on? Uh, Elka. Um, not based on anyone in particular. Um, she's uh, amalgam of uh, attitude-wise of a couple women I know, and then I decided let's make her the uh, demolition expert. Yeah, she's. Uh, she seems like she would either wear a you know a latex or a leather or both. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, you're a guy. You could write whatever kind of women you want. Right. That's uh, um, and this this new one, uh, tickle us a little bit about what's coming out. Um, it's more uh, there's there's still some shooting in it. I don't want to turn anyone off because there's you know, there's definitely some action. Um, it's a little more political. Uh, a freehold um, corporation out exploring for systems it can exploit for uh, resources. Finds one that's inhabited by uh, sentient aliens. Okay. And then there's a whole uh, political interaction between uh, the Freehold, the UN, uh, three different corporations, and some uh, leftist do-gooders, all of whom want to guide these aliens the right way. Yeah, this the sentient stuff is very interesting in how one can you know work with it. I mean, you, when you think about chimpanzees and their ability to uh, sign, and you think about dolphins, and then you know it it comes on down the line until you get to pigs, which we eat on a pretty regular right. basis, and apparently taste very much like us. Um, you know, <laughs> so you the sentience is a real interesting issue to be dealing with uh, right. as far as uh, science fiction goes. In this case, it's the you know how does uh, that affect the relations between the uh, the races and the groups, mm-hmm. and of course uh, the freeholds are very uh, laissez-faire libertarian society. The government doesn't have a lot of power to do much, right? But you got these two corporations who are uh, ready to cut each other's throats in order to exploit these aliens and basically dump a bunch of beads and trinkets on them. Yes, they're not as uh, advanced as we are. Yeah, it's a so buy, buy Manhattan from them kind of thing. Yes. Now, um, your your publisher is Bain Publishing, B E B A N. Yes. And um, do you? Uh, how does that work? I mean, I'm sure there's listeners out there that are interested in being an author at some point. I mean, do you sign contracts with publishers and say that I'll only produce books for you, or how does that go? Um, typically, you get uh, an advance amount, half up front, half on delivery, and uh, then the contract gives them the first refusal on your next work, okay. which is actually a good thing because it means they're obligated to look at it. Yeah, in a prompt fashion, makes sense. The and, uh, uh, would you, uh, you know, there's I know there's people out there that are self-publishing these days, and I've I've heard of musicians m- making more money self-publishing, but I have never heard of an author doing such a such a thing. What's it the, depends. It, it depends what you're publishing. Actually, I'm going to plug someone else here, um, James Wesley Rawls, who hosts Survival Blog. Okay. Online. Not familiar with uh, it. Uh, it's, it's very good. He he moderates it enough to keep the the noise down, and it's got a lot of resources for you know um, disasters in general, mm-hmm. um, economic issues, uh, crime prevention, and uh, he's self-published a novel, and he's still getting tremendous sales out of it on Amazon. Of course, he has an existing readership, you know, now, which does help. That, that certainly does. What his um, what was the blog again? Survivalblog.com. And what's the name of the book that he published? Um, Patriots Surviving the Coming Collapse, I believe. Okay. Hmm. So it's a sort of instructional nonfiction kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's fictional, but done in a, you know, in a um, expository fashion. What's what's that mean? What? Um, it's, yeah, it's 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 teaching, but doing it in presenting it as fiction. Understood. Okay. Well, it's uh, it, all very interesting. I more about the uh, world of uh, uh of writing than I know. Um, 
And you've done other stuff besides this world of uh, Granier that you that we've been talking about. What are some of the other um, novels that you've done in the past? Uh, there was uh, um, the Sniper trilogy I did, mm-hmm. which was um, The Scope of Justice, uh, Targets of Opportunity, and Confirmed Kill. And, and that that's was through HarperCollins Publishers. Now that's a trilogy kind of thing? Yeah, I, I, I tried to make them stand alone again, but it's the same characters in all three. And they're, they're army snipers, and they're uh, being sent out on missions to hunt terrorists. It's, you know, one of those things, that, one of the things that I like about that is when I finished The Weapon, um, well, honestly, when I finished Freehold, when I finished any of these books, I wanted more of the characters that I saw, and that uh, it often, uh, you know, having trilogies and things like that will uh, satisfy that, until, of course, you get right. to the end, in which case, you know, then then you have that same sort of broken up feeling that you had before. Right. It, it, it always feels bad when you have a, a good book. Um, you know, there's there's some of them I'm happy to get to the end of, <laughs> <laughs> but yours haven't fit that uh, fit that particular description. I appreciate that. Sure. Um, I've done a there's a freehold universe short story in a Joe Haldeman anthology last year, uh, Future Weapons of War. Hmm. And then I've done uh, some um, medieval fantasy setting stuff in Mercedes Lackey's Valdemar universe in a couple of anthologies. Uh, are those uh, anthologies, uh, are, they, are these books that are published? or are these? Yeah, collections of short stories, yeah. Okay. And so yeah. this uh, Granier um, one, the short story, how would I get this? Uh, the two books, Future Weapons of War, uh, Joe Haldeman and Martin Harry Greenberg. Okay. And it's in the back of that? Joe Haldeman wrote Forever War. Uh, very very well done, very famous book. Mm. Um I used to write fairly regularly for KeepinBearArms.com, and I've still got bunches of stuff in various places online. Mm-hmm. Uh, I write uh, humorous, um, macho-laden stuff for Arthur's Hall, Arthur'sHall.com. Okay. It's Arthur's Hall of Viking manliness. Hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, we all want to die and go to Valhalla. There's all yes. we have to do. Well, is... yeah, that's, and this is a forum set up. You know, we discuss alcohol, tobacco, and firearms as a... Uh, you know, as a party concept rather than as a government agency. Yeah, I think it should be a convenience store. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I had that in, I threw that into um, Better to Beg Forgiveness. Uh, I, I, I may have gotten it from there. I don't know yeah. where I got it from, but I got it relatively recently. And, and I've heard other people say it, but I decided it. to use it in there. Sure, sure. Was, you know, Pass it along. In country music, you just have to write a song about it, and then you're rich. Yeah, camping outfitter, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. You should get together with somebody in uh, in, in Nashville and uh, have the, you write the lyrics, they write the music, and then you've got yourself a country hit. You know, I could see Charlie Daniels doing that. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> so do you have to go back to the uh, the land of whizzing bullets anytime soon? Um, not anytime soon. Uh, there's a possibility I may go back in a couple, three years. Uh, my wife's a full-time technician in the Guard. She may actually go over later this year, but we don't know what schedule uh, everything is in flux. Jeez, that's going to be rough. Well, be careful course, over there. If we, listen to, if we listen to some people, the war will be over on January 21st, but uh, I, I highly doubt that's going to take... Yeah, um, that, that was that was a little trick they used to get elected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you know, he, he said he was going to grow the, I think it was Marines by 35,000 and the uh, Army by uh, 65,000. That's a hundred and five thousand people. I, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to do with them all. I, I don't know if he's going to create some kind of surge in Afghanistan. But you when know. you consider the the training pipeline, you know, you have to recruit them, 
you have to schedule them for training. You have to have enough instructors. You have to get them through basic, mm-hmm. uh, through technical training uh, to their units. Then there's a variety of training you have to do at your unit before you're ready to mobilize. Uh, minimum lead times a year. Yeah. You know, to, that's to get a, new crew that's a fast turnaround for training somebody in any business, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, wife's, my wife's a uh, combat photographer, and her school was uh, almost a year long a- after basic. It hasn't been that easy for the army to attract people. They've been taking, uh, they've they've been lowering the uh, the numbers that they're taking as far as intelligence quotients, uh, you know, uh, waist yeah, they, size. Had, they actually haven't had a problem retaining people. Um, they've just had so much bad publicity they can't get new people. Yeah. And we're, you know, of the, the, what, what do you uh, think the worst publicity is? Catching bullets? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and that's been exaggerated a lot. Yeah, the, the Marines and Air Force are, I believe, are at both a capacity, and they don't have any trouble getting nope, groups. No, they're not having problems. Yeah. I, I um, well, now I certainly knew I knew that was so for Navy and Air Force. I didn't know Marines wasn't having any problems. I thought I'd heard read some story like three or four years ago that you know like maybe a year into the Iraq uh, conflict that. Um, you know, the, the Marines were having pro- some kind of problem, but I didn't, you know, I don't know s- the specifics. Yeah. It's the Army. <laughs> the Army's right. having the problem. Well, the Army always gets the bad publicity of the, the whipping boy. You know, well, they've, they've the got more more personnel than uh, the other three branches combined, exactly. right? Yeah. So, I mean, if it's going to be, if there's going to be a personnel issue, it's going to be with them. Air Force is always, uh, you know, taking the uh, the smart kids, and so yeah. therefore they're, you know, they they can offer more money and things like that. And that's really what the Army needs to do. If they Actually, could... the Army's been offering more money, and the Air Force matches it just to to keep things even. Oh, to but, keep it fair. Uh, yeah. They get air conditioning. That's the other thing. Well, I, I, I was on a large uh, theater airlift base. We had uh, several thousand Army uh, CB and Marine detachments, several thousand Air Force, um, and uh, and you know we, we we were all sharing missions, and then uh, we had substantial uh, electrical power uh, when it worked, which was subject to various whims. Yeah, that does. The the, uh, the billets were air conditioned, even the tents were. Although you can't generally get a tent below about ninety in the middle of summer. No, uh, I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't imagine. It's still probably nice to have a little cool air blowing in, but uh, yeah, ninety at five percent humidity is not that bad. Yeah, it's as not. opposed to one hundred and twenty-six it, it, humid when the wind blows off the Gulf. Blah. But um, blah. Uh, Having grown up in Florida and uh, living there most of my life, I, I have some concept of what you're talking about. Yeah. It never got to 126 uh, in Florida, but the, the humidity was almost always 100%. Yeah. Well, very good. I think we've, uh, we've gone through anything, um, everything sure. here. Um, real quick, uh, pl- plug the new book coming up so that people, uh, b- people know, um, know what to grab and uh, anything else you want to say. Well, it's Contact with Chaos, uh, published by Bain Books. I believe it, April 9th is the release date. It'll be in bookstores everywhere. Uh, it's hardcover. And yep. uh, you can also download it from Bain's site for a uh, small price electronically. And, of course, it'll be on Amazon. Excellent. Uh, I've got a couple of books I'm working on, but nothing currently contracted. I'm waiting for Bain to get back to me on a couple of things. And I'm hoping to turn out at least one more book uh, this year, which will probably be published next year. So do you? Um, I guess I have now. I have more questions. So do you? Work, how do you work full? How do you work on the, the books? I mean, how many hours a day do you spend? Uh, do you do it while you're over there? Tell me about that. I, I did write while I was over there. I, I managed to get some content down, but not a lot of detail or mm-hmm. character. Like I, I, I was Outline stuff. Twelve to sixteen hours a day, uh, and then basically crashing asleep. Yeah. Done. Um, Internet was very shaky. There actually is Internet. There wasn't last time I was over. Um, 
But uh, I, I generally write a solid couple of hours a day, but I'm constantly making notes, and, you know, incorporating stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, for the writing time. And there's some days I've done eight to ten hours straight. Sometimes I'll go three or four days and just accumulate stuff. Uh, uh, occasional research trips. When I did the uh, sniper trilogy, I went down to the Army Sniper School and interviewed the uh, instructors, the commander, and a couple of students to do, increase my knowledge base. Do you do you find yourself getting into the characters, um, you know, a great deal in your life, or you know, how is that for you? I know different authors approach that differently. Um, I, I tend to use traits from people I know, and occasionally from myself, mm-hmm. build a composite of where I want the character to be. But it's always a good idea to use source material to, to add realism. Do you um, do you ever have the temptation to create the uh, the super you in a book? Um, you know, like this this is what I'd be like if I could do this, or you know, like those kind of things. I mean, do you find do you do you find the uh, temptation of putting yourself in the role of the pr- protagonist? No, not really. I, I know some people do. Um, I, I guess I've got a realistic assessment of my capabilities. I, I'm not much of a people person, so I'd never put myself in any role like that. I see. Um, I'm, I'm in good shape, but I'm not anywhere the kind of shape uh, the, the special forces guys need. Well, that's so. that's fiction, yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I can easily pass the... the the standard military requirements, but not some of the stuff that they have to do. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just like using various traits. Uh, um, my ideal being actually stays here uh, writing books and uh, playing with guns. Which is pretty much what I do. So there you go. Well, I, I am the ideal me. It's it's nice to have a life that you enjoy. I've I've got to say that uh, you know I I worked at this radio show for a long time as a hobby, and now I do it full time, and it's it's a great way to live. But right. uh, yeah, you know, I'm, so I mean, that's that's what happens when you work hard enough at one thing and stay, you know, keep on path that you will get what you want, or at least yeah, I was an overnight success. After 28 years. <laughs> 28 years, yeah. That's, you know, people don't don't really know that they're all that work went into it. So I started writing when I was seven, and I uh, first got my my first novel sold when I was 35. So you um you must get a certain amount of uh, the libertarians out there that uh, I mean I guess people write you letters and emails and things like that, right? So you must get a certain amount of the uh, libertarians out there that uh, you know tell you that you're a bad person for being in the military and and uh, for you know supporting the man or you know backing him up or whatever. What do you say Actually, to those people? I, I haven't had much of that. Um, I get that from some of the screaming lefties. Okay. Uh, libertarians are generally fairly uh, laid back and relaxed about it. Uh, I think they're surprised that there's a lot of libertarians in the military, but they're not uh, offended hmm. by it. Um, some of the more conspiratorial types, of course, believe that the military is poised at any moment to you know, take over the country or uh, sell our souls to the U.N. or stuff like that. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Now, there's there's supposed to be 20,000 troops that are going to be here stationed for disaster duty and, and that sort of thing. Now that uh, Bush has done away with the uh, posse cumitatis, um, what, do you, what do you got to say to that? Well, it depends what the mission is. I, uh, if, they're, if they're not in the process of... Uh, what a lot of people don't realize, when you see the National Guard out, mm-hmm. they generally don't have ammunition. It takes federal authority to have ammunition in their weapons. I bet they had ammunition in uh, NOLA when they were confiscating people's weapons. Um, I, th- I think in that case, the Guard was, a lo- as far as I'm aware, um, I, I, I had friends there I was 
uh, stuck home at the time because my wife was active duty. Mm-hmm. Um, the guard was following along and escorting the police who were doing the confiscations. They're still there in uh, green uniforms with uh, M16s sure. slung yeah. around. I mean, that's got to make the. I believe uh, one little right. old lady had a uh, a small two shot Derringer that uh, right. you know she showed the police and uh, the guy tackled her and broke her wrist. And, and I know there were a lot of. Uh, uh, military down there who were really unhappy with being in the role of supporting the cops. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's a tough position to be we're in. We're not law enforcement. It's tough, a tough, tough position to be in. I mean, you've got, say, yeah. 19 years in, or you've got 15 years in, or 12 years in, and they give you this really crappy assignment where you've got to go and uh, support law enforcement and the uh, confiscation of weapons. And yeah. honestly, a couple of people, um, at least one guy that was on video, said, I'm not giving you any guns. And they didn't do anything with them. They just, you know, so it's it's sort of this, like like taxation is in the United States. It's voluntary-ish. <laughs> and a lot of those cops were not New Orleans cops. They were LAPD and mm-hmm. various other places. Sure. The, uh uh, whenever I've had riot control training, they've always stressed to us that we do not have arrest powers and that if we try and apprehend somebody other than a life or death situation, uh, that we're going to wind up with a ton of bad publicity in a court-martial. You know, it's, it, yeah, of course, that's guard-specific. Yeah. Um, but there's, a, there's active duty troops assigned to various stateside positions all the time, um, predominantly uh, advisory capacity. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things the uh, ATF and FBI screwed up at Waco was the military advisors told him, you know, you really don't want to go and try and kick in the door here. You're going to have a mess on your hands. And they did. Yeah, yeah and, and they did. Yeah. <laughs> Were there no military advisors at Ruby Ridge? Um, I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. But I know at Waco, the uh, I, I believe they had special forces guys there, and they said, you don't want to do this. This is going to be a disaster. Yeah. Hey, but there, there's a lot of ways that they could have done uh, Waco differently and better, um, and it really just it just fanned the flames of you right. know, a lot of a lot of Americans' discontent. If they really wanted to get uh, David Koresh for child molestation or whatever, they could have just grabbed him on his you know supposedly took, jog, yeah. yeah he took a morning jog instead of laying siege to this compound, which is pretty much what these people wanted. I mean, you know, they they had all these weapons for a reason, yeah. so. One of the um, one of the ones I've always been concerned about is the people who want to station the military on the uh, Mexican border. And, yeah, I, I keep stressing to them: we're not trained as cops. We're, we're trained to break things and kill people. Right, that's what they're for. Yeah, yeah. and you know, they're different missions. Well, uh, the, the people that want you on the border of Mexico want you to break things and kill people. Yeah, but I, I I really think that's not something we want the military to start doing. No, it doesn't seem like it to me. Well, they a lot of people will uh, look at the Mexicans as uh, they're they're an invading horde of uh, brown leprosidic dog eaters, um, <laughs> and I swear to God that's what they they've said it on the people have said it on the air. Um, oh, that yeah, the, the Mexicans yeah. are eating our dogs. <laughs> yeah. There was there was one circulating that you know all military retirees will be required to serve six months on the border, and whenever someone forwards that to me, I reply, you know, you're awful telling me what I'm supposed to do with uh, my life after I uh, retire. <laughs> you it's, might want to consider that I'm the guy who has the guns. The, uh, it's, <laughs> it's so silly, these, uh, these email forwarding things. I mean, b- ladies and gentlemen, don't believe it if it was sent to, your, to you in your email. Go check it out. You have to, it's, it's all you have to do is just take it to Snopes. I mean, look, at, look it up. They, these, you can find these facts, but uh, people believe these forwarded emails like yeah. you just wouldn't believe. There was a large contingent bef- um, before... Y2K, who were convinced that the military was plotting some sort of takeover. Yeah. Uh, they, they always had these quotes from somebody who couldn't give their name or their position. And it's like, well, they're, <laughs> so you 
going on strict hearsay if it's been circulating the Internet, which has a credibility value of, uh, well, zero. Yeah, that's, that's not a heck of a lot of credibility. And yeah, why and would they pick the 2000 to do it? Go ahead. Yeah, of course, the military did take over during Y2K. And, <laughs> well, no. Uh, <laughs> So, um, so speaking speaking of military and takeovers, what do you think about the uh, the Constitution? Um, says that uh, the military should not be drawn up, but uh, for two years at a time. And it seems that our founding fathers uh, really didn't want a standing military. What do you what do you? Th- I, I think that went away in the War of eighteen twelve. Yeah, uh, that with, up until wasn't then long they after. had yeah they they had a uh, a small cadre, and then they called uh, they had the states call a militia up whenever mm-hmm. they needed them. And in 1812, uh, the militia fought credibly, but they didn't have the, the logistics chain necessary to fight an extended war. And I think we've pretty much had a uh, standing military since then. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. um, as far as, you know, War of 1812, Mexican-American War, probably the last ones really fought on uh, on American soil. Right. Yeah, I, you know, Pearl Harbor was what was... Uh, Sandwich Islands. The territory of the time. Yeah. And there was some stuff in the Aleutians, and that's pretty much the net that I recall. I don't think most Americans could put a, put the Aleutians on the map. Um, <laughs> of course, I, I, I don't know if they could put Hawaii on the map, for that matter. But there's a bridge to the Aleutians. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, now, now that we have that. All right. Thanks so much. Um, sure. You know, and this was a bonus segment with uh, Michael Z. Williams, um, Williamson, excuse me. And uh, you know, tune in uh, tomorrow to Free Talk Live. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. Um...